Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 12. Um, we have the regular crew again. We managed to get all the admins back together. And this week we're talking about Void, the guy with the big brain. Um, <laughs> you know, we've gone through Skull Knight stuff, and hopefully, I can't imagine that a Void topic would take three episodes, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> we were doing uh, kind of a review this past week, or I was doing a review of all of Void's different appearances and all his big scenes, and well, I've got two and a half volumes over here next to me, uh, ready for perusal, because there's not much there, but what is there is very dense, and part of how I wanted to introduce this topic was talking about, like, why Void? Why is he someone worth talking about? I mean, I'm sure people that read the series probably know, but um, he's the guy that generally is my avatar right now it's not but he's been my avatar since i started the site so um for me uh it's that i think he's a really kind of like the silent smart type like he doesn't have to say much for you to know that there's a lot of implied knowledge behind what he says he's also kind of like the king but king bad guy i mean for the for the for the god hand i mean the idea of evil is not really something that's been introduced formally other than that one big panel in uh, volume 13 but for the opposition side, Void's kind of like the main man. I mean, unless you're talking about Griffith or Femto. So that's why at it the, is for me. At the very least, he's like Darth Vader to Idea's Emperor. Right. <laughs> you know, he's sort of, we see him out there. And it's also what he represents. It's also that he represents like this mysterious side of the series that we don't know all the things that happened in the past. And there's a lot of scenes and, and or, or moments where it seems like there are pieces of his personality and the pieces of who he is that'll make more sense later on. So it's just kind of neat to know that there's more to tell of his story right now. They're all mostly got in a very mysterious void, most of all, I think. Void, you know, yeah. He's a, like you said, the quiet type, but he exudes power. You know, when he speaks, the others are quiet and he presides over the ceremonies. Everything in him. Even his character design emphasizes the fact he's uh, a leader of sorts. Right. Yeah, and literally the, you know, uh, you know, I hate to say it, I'm sorry, the brains behind, you know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, Jesus Christ. But, well, yeah, I mean, like you said, he, you know, he, lo- I mean, literally his, just his design, sh- you know, he knows what we don't know. You know, he right. knows all the secrets. He knows all the mysteries. It's it's implied anyway that he does. Even if he doesn't, it's just that sort of, you know, like the motif that, you know, he has. And one thing that I think is interesting about him that I noticed about going over his scenes is that he doesn't really – he doesn't have, like, scenes. There isn't, like, a void scene. Like, he's got a couple of moments in bigger scenes, but he's always just sort of there. He's, like, you know, he's overseeing things. It's not like yeah. Skull Knight where it's like this. Oh, here, here comes Skull Knight for a Skull Knight scene. Mm-hmm. Void is always at you know these huge important events, and he's just sort of there, like overseeing it, like the ringleader. And you know he has a few moments, but it's like we've never obviously had like sort of a personal, like an insight, insight into, yeah, yeah, into him well, at all. It's I think the closest do. I think we've come is like an ellipsis. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, like, that's... on him. We, we, we may as well jump into that now, but the the funny thing to me was like for a long time, a lot of what we think we know about Void is all implied. It's not said. We yeah. imply we we imply that or we infer that he and the Skull Knight had a past because of 
you know, Skull Knight being the one that jumps out and slides, he slashes at him first. Uh, and, and it leads to the, the, the way the panels are, are done in that scene. The, it's very symmetrical. It's Skull Knight looking at him, Void looking at him. So it seems like those two have a connection of some sort. And also because Skull Knight refers to Void whenever he's fighting Zod in Volume 12, or his volume, beginning of Volume 13. He said, I suppose this is what, as what Void would call, you know, um, all tied to causality. So yeah, there, there's some there's some lines and some very small moments that we can kind of see that there's more to this character than meets the eye. There's also this really enigmatic scene, and I would love people to make fun of me for this because it's really nothing. Right as the eclipse ends, Skull Knight saves Guts and Casca, uh, and, and he escapes. And the, the uh, remaining God here, and talking about wow, who could have expected that? You know, un- unpredictable things can happen uh, at the. Um, Temporal junction point, and then there's this big panel of void where he's just staring his ugly mug at the camera, basically or the screen, like <laughs> and saying nothing. Doesn't say a damn word. It's a very loaded. It's the most loaded like yeah. panel for like nothing for like you know like what could be just a blank expression. You know, it's the same look he always has, but it's yeah. It, it, there's a but, lot more implied in the, the context. If you look at all the other panels, there's no there's no dialogue. And there's dialogue all over the place, and there's none on his panel. And actually, I didn't notice this before, really, but Slan's actually sort of asking him a question. She says, uh, or this too was fated to happen, dot, dot, dot. And she looks at Void, nothing said. And then she transitions, and she says, either way. So she was, like, expecting him to say something, and he's like, I ain't saying shit. (laughs) So, yeah, it it implies that they kind of look to him for guidance on some things like that, I would guess. But, yeah. I think that's somewhat of an, uh, a liberal interpretation of the scene. But yeah. <laughs> well, no, the great thing about that scene is that, is that you can interpret it sort of any like way you want. I mean, either yeah. Void knows something he's not saying, or he's disturbed because like he didn't know what was going on. Mm. You know, there. You know, I mean, it could be it could be either way. Either way, he seemed very prepared for that moment. I mean, he was ready for to, to deflect that strike. So. Well, well, I don't know. He, I think, you know, he yeah. does. I don't think he gets, uh, he gets yeah, too I, animated. <laughs> I, I don't think he needed to prepare for it, you know. So the Skullite arrives and he takes a shot, and Void is just like, "So what? Yeah, nice. Oh, you, you've got a sword. <laughs> you've got a sword. Oh yeah. Well, I've got a client bottle. So fuck you." <laughs> and they, they, they look at each other, and again, it's one of these things where you can read into it as much as you want. Is this like, you know, are they looking at each other like, you know? They know each other. They have, you know, a history. Or is it just like, hey, that guy's swinging a sword at my head. You know, I, you know, I've seen him around. You know, that sort of thing. And is is you know, Skull Knight just striking at him because he's, you know, sort of the de facto leader as far as everyone's concerned? Is he quoting him just because he's, you know, heard these ceremonies before, or because he actually knows Void, you know, better than just right. that? So I don't know. You can you can read into it as much as you want and it can also it can be sort of as personal or as uh, casual as you know Mira decides to make it ultimately well there's there's a few more things that imply that void has kind of a leader a leader type role though I mean he's the one that brings order back to things when things are kind of going uh, like kind of getting them running amok he is dressed like a judge that too <laughs> well it's volume... a fuck go ahead uh, I was just going to say the most obvious thing to me is he's the one who actually brands people. He's the yeah. one that brands them. I mean, it's not none of the others. It's him. So yeah, and he does most of the talking. Yeah, especially the important talking. 
yeah, he's the one that talks about the like the the parts of the ceremony, and he, like I said before, he brings things back to order when the uh, God Hand are getting carried away with admiring how Guts is still standing after being smacked down by Femto. Void's the one that brings back order to the thing. He also does it in Volume Twelve when Guts is kind of mouthing off the God Hand, and and Void brings things back to order, saying everything's tied to causality. And the ceremony continues. He's also the one that delivers the the one convincing line to Griffith, the one that right before he makes his decision is kind of what turns him, talking about uh, you know, tens of thousands of comrades piled up for this dream. And, and pointing still have, towards the castle. Right, all that stuff. Yeah. It kind of seals the deal on the whole thing. And then ultimately is the one that, of course, issues the brand, both times actually, in volumes uh, 3 and thir- uh, 12. So, yeah, there's, there's many things to me that imply that he's kind of the leader type. Yeah, and it's implied also in that scene that, like, just the way he, you know, when he holds up the brand and when you can see, like, the image of Femto behind him, like, the idea of Femto. Right. In a right. sense. Like, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, even as uh, convincing as, like, Conrad and Ubik were with their, you know, their sort of, this the phantasm, like, image, you know, the mm-hmm. where, that they gave him, the illusion or, you know, what was in his head, depending on who you believe. Like, it was, you know, this sort of this charisma that Void has that I imagine him having. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what's represented by, like, I don't think, you know, you could actually see, like, that, you know, idea of Femto. I don't think that was actually there. It's sort of like, I feel like that's sort of the charisma of his words, like Griffith was seeing it. But it wasn't actually there. It was just sort of implied with yeah, what he- Void is saying. He has the authority of kind. He's he's holding yeah. it like yeah. When he speaks, and there's also the way he speaks, of course. But everything in it seems to imply authority. Uh, he's not somebody you just you know fuck around with. And actually, I'm curious to see uh, whenever that will happen, guts facing void or something like that. And because <laughs> it's just going to be. I mean, void is very. He, you know, it's just. I can't even imagine how he would react. To guts, you know, to guts, guts. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, what? We, a we, human? <laughs> yeah. Well, <I>, <laughs> <laughs> he gets stabbed. <laughs> Slices yeah. his brain in half. <laughs> yeah, that's what. That's not, what... Not, not so smart anymore, you fucking brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking <Right>. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, Slan. Uh, we we've seen how Slan dealt with him, and uh, I'm curious to see how Void would. That, that's it. But you know, going back to what uh, Griffith said earlier, you know, the first time the God and uh, are shown to us in Volume Three, mm-hmm. Void's actually in the background. He's the one that's at the you know foremost. Uh, I mean, you no, know, whatever. He's in the background. Right, right. Yeah, Ubik's up front, there's Femto, then Conrad and Slana in the middle, and he's at the, the back. And I think, yeah, it does make a good job of implying that he's not at the forefront of the action, but he's, yeah, he's kind of overseeing everything from the from the background, from the back, presiding over things. Right. Yeah, and I, he kind of, he structures the ceremony. He, he He's the one that kind of, brings it to each individual point uh, all, all the different parts of the ceremony he's the one that's bringing uh, pushing them to the next segment and all that things like that kind of the, the orchestrator so he's well, also, yeah, and, and uh, it's actually what you were saying about bringing it to order earlier in volume three i think that's when he has like sort of his most like direct moment like that is when uh 
in the Dark Horse translation, you know, Femto and the Count are sort of talking, and the Count is being, you know, real sniveling. Oh, I'm so grateful, and uh, and <laughs> Void literally says, "Enough of this sideshow, <laughs> you know, yeah, enough exactly. of this sideshow." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, just, saying, was, the count was saying he was grateful to them for, you know, killing guts. What they think happens, you know, yeah, all getting sidetracked. All the god hand in that panel <laughs> actually are all turned towards them. So, yeah. Anyway, I was just going to add that uh, every time we see the god and voice always last. The last being shown, and uh, so oh, yeah. that's, that's in volume three I mentioned. There's also the eclipse where he appears straight out of the sun. He bleeds out of the sun, which is yeah. Very, Impressive in itself, and it also reaffirms the fact he's. I mean, he's not. He doesn't just come from the sky or from the faces on the ground. He fucking is from the fucking sun, you know, as a centerpiece. And during the Fantasia episode, he also he's shown last. And right. I mean, the the simple fact the others are all shown within their own little universes and so on, their own little world. But he he doesn't. He's just his fucking brain. Two pages of brain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like his. I was gonna like when you first said you know sort of the power he exudes. Like the first yeah. thing I thought of was like how he's introduced at the eclipse ceremony. Is that like yeah he literally comes he the eclipse sort of turns into his uh, his head and his yeah. body melts out of it. And it's like this weird. It's hard to even imagine how this would look. You know, as far as like an illusion when it, like in front of your eyes. You know, for it to then become him. You know all this weird perspective. It's like, it, yeah, that is like an amazing display of like, you know, symbolic display of power. And also what you said again about, uh, you know, when it shows them all in their own little like, their own little spaces, you yeah. know, in, in the Fantasia episode. And it's just, you know, there's sort of a purity like, just showing his brain, like he's sort of prime. Yeah. Like it's just this is it. You know, we don't you know need we don't need is. any Yeah, we don't need <laughs> yeah. any there's no we don't need anything fancy. It doesn't have to be death incarnate or, you know, a bunch of, you know, sex or whatever or weird, <laughs> you know, weird paintings, <laughs> you know. No garden of uh, good and evil or earthly delights. It was just, you know, pure void, <laughs> pure brain. It's just sort of a simplistic power. Yeah. You know, for, for, for what it's worth, I was most impressed by by this, you know. Out of everything else, to just being shown his brains, I was like, "Fuck, wow, fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah," you know? Yeah, it was impressive. I, I of course, wanted to see more. Uh, as, yeah, as it was, there, there was the other side of it where it's like, "God damn it," <laughs> you know, like reveal something. <laughs> like I knew Void was gonna be there. At least show me his like his his you know his digs basically. <laughs> Yeah, basically, at the same time, it, like, it showed his power, but it also was the other side of it, which he said is the mystery, right. where it's like, at the same time, yeah. that brain is like, it's like basically like a wall to us getting yep. any other insight, you know, it's like the thing you can't see into, you can't see past that, you can't see into his head, and yeah, it's sort of, so it's, so, it's still so tantalizing, you know, what we're going to see next from him, like, we, I think we sort of know what to expect as far as Slan and Conrad and Ubik are concerned. I mean, we don't know specifically what to expect, but I mean, just in your subconscious, you have ideas about them and what they'd be like. And I mean, I think that was sort of, you know, confirmed with Guts and Slan's interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, that is sort of what you would, you know, maybe this is, you know, hindsight, but it is sort of like, this is what you would expect with a one-on-one -on -one between them. Yeah. And well, Slan's is behave. different though because she kind of toys with them for a while. She like wants him to be there to a certain extent. Well, and she's got she's, the most personality right. of all the... I mean, I think, like, she always did at the ceremony. She was the one who sort of, like, did the most off-topic, like, speaking. 
Mm-hmm. Like, but I, just, I guess what I mean is like her interaction with guts is going to be it's we can't it's not a great basis of comparison considering the fact that I doubt Void has absolutely any interest in interacting with guts or any human, you know. So <laughs> well, how it seems like go down would be a little different. He doesn't he doesn't seem yet impressed by like all that stuff. Anything. He's sort of, Anything. Well, yeah, he's like sort of an uber Zod, and that you know Zod isn't impressed by all the the pomp and circumstance of the ceremony, as it were, or the ceremonies and the bloodshed. Whereas you know, like Slan and Conrad and Ubik, they all seem kind of like titillated by it. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, whereas, you know, Zod isn't interested in that, but he is interested in Guts for very specific reasons, and I feel like Void, you know, he's like Zod, except he doesn't even have any reason to be interested in Guts either. It's mm-hmm. Again, it's just, it's all sort of sideshow, as, you know, it was put earlier. Well, well speaking of personalities, you know what t- strikes me about Void is, like, the word that comes to me is, like, devout. Like, he completely believes in this ceremony and, and evil over human type type thing. Like, he's completely sold on it. He's the one that drives it all forward. So yeah. I wonder if that says anything about his his personality or what was left of his personality, I guess, as a human and who he might, what kind of person he might be and, and, and how that person's, what kind of role they might have had in... He was probably a wise man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I do wonder if... I really hope we do get something like that. I mean, we keep saying that. I mean, I don't even have time to say that, but go ahead. I was going to say, I think his character design uh, can give us some clues uh, as far as what you said, uh, his devotion. Okay. He, he His character design, uh, his face is a mess. I mean, he, his ears were cut, his eyes are soon shut, and mm-hmm. his mouth and uh, nose are peeled back. Right. Uh, his brain is exposed. So it strikes, uh, it strikes me as him being some kind of, you know... It's mind of a matter. I wouldn't say it's like an early type scientist type thing, like it experiments on humans and things like that. Maybe. Act- actually, the, the word that came to me is athetic. You know, mm. you know, athetism. So he's a uh, asceticism actually. Sorry, uh, just somebody who has, you know, put the matters of the mind over the matters of the the body, and who is. I wouldn't say sacrificing himself for for you know the pursuit of spiritual pursuit or some something of the kind, but th- that's what he strikes me as uh, being, and I think it's shown in general as far as his you know character design and his character itself uh, goes. I think that's what that's what he exudes to me, mm-hmm. that feeling of being really yeah, devoted and you know the the physical has taken a step back over mm-hmm. the mind. To tie this sort of into, uh, like, I guess, speculations about, you know, what his past was or revealing along with, you know, these themes we've noticed in his character and the Mm -hmm. way he dresses and everything else and, like, sort of modern uh, revelations, I mean, does it seem sort of like an obvious idea that, you know, he could have been an early powerful magic user, you know, sorcerer or witch? Yeah. Like, I mean, could does be. that, uh, that almost seems like, you know, like, like you say, could be, but I mean, it almost seems like, it seems, oh God, again, an, a no-brainer. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I had no idea there'd be so many puns for the Void podcast, but uh, they just come naturally. Well, so, I, think... I mean, what do you, what do you think of that? You sounded, when you said could be, you're, you're being a little conservative, like you're kind of, you well, know, I, mean, I'll tell you, I would love to say I, I may as well speak my mind. Obviously, it's a podcast, yeah. but yeah, I, I I see him as the kind of character that would you know 
do what kind of experiments he could with the world to understand the world. And maybe he like, delved in some dark arts or something like that, the equivalent of dark arts in the Berserk world. And that may have led mm. him down the path that he's currently in. I knew it was he able yeah. to frown on that, so mm. that's why I'm speaking my mind. Yeah, I would say, I, I think, you know, just speaking from what we know, uh, magic users don't seem to be very flen- friendly with apostles and uh, and the god. And of course, there could be many things. I mean, it might have been different back in the day. But I, I kind of think as Void, as not re- necessarily being in favor of magic users and pursuing uh, the matters of the mind in a different way or maybe being a magic user but not being in favor of uh, the elemental type of magic or something like that mm-hmm. maybe yeah. pur- pursuing the power of humans you know wanting well, i was going to say wanting humans to dominate everything you know you know maybe that kind of ideology which would lead him to his current position and uh, yeah so that's sort of how i see him and uh, yeah, to go back to what we were saying about him being devout and such, he seems to be very strict in general to me, stern, you know, not not somebody who's fucking around or very joyful or anything. He, he doesn't rejoice like the others, Ubik right. or you know, Slank, you know, Conrad. So, yeah, Femto doesn't really do it either, but yeah. So, well, he smiles, though. He like has sort of like a... Smug grin on his face at times, though. Femto does, isn't it? Not in volume three and stuff like that. Yeah, especially uh, in his first appearance. Right. But I'm going to be colder when we first see him. Boy's also always grinning, but uh, I'm not sure he can have it. <laughs> <laughs> so Skull Knight, so. Yeah. Well, what, what led me to like that whole magic user, you know, like sort of thing was the idea that, you know, he would be dedicated to sort of true knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, That's just a, knowledge yeah. in general. And that, yeah, that would lead, naturally lead him down that kind of path and that he's sort of discovered, you know, like he's cut to the epitome of knowledge. Like he knows more, you know, arguably than anybody else, that's, you know, and that's, that's yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Well, like, it reminds me of what Flora said uh, in volume 24, talking about the essence of a magic user is that exploring the world and understanding it, uh, all, all the different aspects of the world. And so, I mean, I think what we've been given is a touch of what, you know, one aspect of what magic use is in the Berserk world through Flora and Shirk, but I don't think that's necessarily the end of the road. There probably is quite a different path that could have been taken that's yeah. different, and maybe he diverged from that into something, you know, darker, more human. Maybe well, he created yeah. his own subset of magic through that. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what he's doing. Or I mean, at this point, is the gold yeah. hand. Are, are, they are their own very special kind of magic, which is completely yeah. different from the you know, quote-unquote traditional type. And, uh, yeah, so he's probably gone beyond what anybody else did. And to just go back to a bit, it's a bit of symbolism, but it's also the fact he's got six fingers on each hand. Right. And right. it uh, implies, I don't know, maybe skillfulness, you know, something, the ability, he has more than others. It's not just a brain, it's his body mm. in general is very specific. And... I think the general idea that is conveyed is that he's yeah more skillful, more knowledgeable, and it also represents finesse of a uh, brute strength to me. So in all of these ways, he's pretty different from the others, from the Skull Knight, from Guts, even from Femto. <coughs> His way, even the way he, you know, I mean, uh, countered the Skull Knight's attack, he threw his own attack back against him. Right. So you know, whereas. Femto just, you know, used, you know, his magic pressure crush and just destroyed everything, killed the apostles, you know, as a, some kind of, you know, side casualties. 
Yeah, he's he's all about finesse. Right. It was kind of it was an elegant solution to that problem was to, to redirect yeah. it through this weird warping thing. Yeah. It's it's well, almost even too elegant, you know. I mean, yeah. he's over. Well, yeah, it's like he didn't. It's like yeah, he didn't have to do anything essentially. It's like he he made it happen, but he he literally didn't have to lift a finger. Move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, I mean, he like his looking at Skull Knight was completely like a separate act. Like he wouldn't. He could have just kept staring forward, but he <laughs> yeah. was just sort of like he was just like, oh, it's you, <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, and. uh I don't know. You mentioned the finger, and what's interesting, and you know, we'll get into this later, is like I've always seen his hands and that extra finger as resembling the xenomorph hand from Alien. Oh, so well, I think there's a, there's there's an H.R. Geiger inspiration to some of the character designs. Uh, yeah, of the way yeah. the yeah, costumes, the god hand look. So that's where that comes from. Definitely, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's very clear, and uh, I think Mura he. He obviously uh, inspired himself from famous artists uh, for various designs, and he readily uh, admits it. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's you know strongly inspired by Geiger, even though there was also some parts which is inspired by the Cenobites from uh, Hellraiser. Yeah, well, but... De- Void is definitely you can see that because they had a lot a lot of them, especially I don't know, like there was a lot of movies and a lot of different Cenobites, but I mean like you know the sort of tortured looking ones. Yeah, he definitely fits in that vein too, just from an aesthetic standpoint. Yeah, right. But yeah, the, the I would say the black parts of them, are the, the design on on them, they are not just like you know leather or something like that. So these really are Geigerish to me. If I yeah, right, so looks organic sort of. Yep, and just. Yeah. Alien, you know, weird, not natural, not just strange. I mean, if you look at them in detail, and I know not many people do, but they've got these these weird designs that are for for Ubik and Conrad, it can be reminiscent of uh, sea animals, and for Void, it's just these, these strange shapes. You don't really know what it does or you know what it's supposed to be. So yeah, yeah. I've always yeah. seen Void like his. Uh... You know, it's, I'm trying to think of how to describe it without sounding stupid. You know, like his, you know, the his. Uh, I'm to sound. Yeah, his. Uh, basically, his body. It's like it always have looked like sort of like the closest thing. Like would be like bat wings, but I mean, he obviously doesn't use them that way. Hmm. Yeah, so you know, that would be like a cloak, basically. You yeah, mean. like a yeah, it would look like a cloak, but like if it was to resemble something organic, like wait, because hmm. you can see like. Uh, they don't exactly look like bat wings, but just the way they've got like the fine, uh, they've got like the shape, basically what sort of on a bat would you know hold the wings you know together and be the yeah. actual like frame. <laughs> it kind of yeah. resembles that. Yeah, I was actually looking up different names used. Uh, the God Hand, obviously, we know what Ubik and Conrad are. Ubik and Conrad are and Slan. Uh, voids is a little more generic, you know. It just implies like a just a, an absence of something, and that made me think about what you have to do to become a god hand and to become an apostle is to cast away your humanity and to let you know evil into your heart. And maybe he's the kind of guy that just erased everything, you know, <laughs> got rid of it all to become who he is. And that sort of could be mirrored by his personality in contrast to some of the other god hand as well, who sort of are retaining their own personality still, you know. Whereas <laughs> Void's completely dedicated to his role there. It is, yeah, his name also implies, like, to me, it makes me, it conjures up, like, the images of the Vortex, 
And, you know, just yeah. sort of the idea of death, too. I mean, going to the void, people say that. Or, you know, Mass Effect 2, I think it was Rex that said, I should have known the void couldn't hold you. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, little synonyms and things you can, you know, read into his name that make it kind of interesting. Yeah. Including uh, what you said before. Yep. You know, looking back at uh, the time where he points at the castle to Griffiths uh, during the eclipse, it's actually quite interesting you know i mean you we both uh, we all three of us already know that but he lifts his robe if uh, i could say so uh, yeah with his hand like and his arm is just gigantically you know, right. long and it's also I, I it makes me wonder what his body is like under the robe even though the robe is actually a part of his body so i, I really wonder what he looks like it's a, what, uh, it's a very strange very strange type well, of body. Do you well, see no, um, on the next page? You can yeah. see his arm, but even more interesting than that is underneath the robe. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's yeah. like a portal. Yeah. Like it goes into you know some other you know it's sort of basic. It's almost it looks like what we've seen of like when dimensional portals are opened in the series, like what Skull Knight has come out of, yep. and you yeah, know exactly. almost like the, similar to the the Klein bottle he opened on him. So it's yep. interesting that it's like you know there's this infiniteness implied. Like yeah. underneath, underneath the robe. Yeah. yeah what does it? What does it look like? I don't have it handy, but this is just a, maybe a non sequitur. But what does it look like in the uh, Apostle manufacturing machine or, or Daca manufacturing machine device thing? Why well, it's, like it's also similar to that. As a, thought, you yeah. you mean the effect? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty close. Yeah. Of course, yeah. uh, since there well like ten years in between each, it's not exactly the same, but sure. It's pretty close, so yeah. Hmm. Well, um, when me and Azil kind of like came up with this topic of void, you know, we kind of challenged each other. Like, we had another topic planned, and and I think you'd said void, and I was like, yeah, right, as if we can talk about void for like an hour. And then I, then I became like really interested in it, and I was like, hell, maybe we can, maybe we can just bullshit actually, about void for like an I, hour. Actually, I said, I think I, I believe I said uh, I could talk about anything for two hours, and you said, yeah, I like void. And yeah, that's said, right. That's what it was. <laughs> because because we weren't sure what topic to use, and I said, yeah, yeah. sure. Then I, I request void, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how it went. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I'm now I'm kind of running dry though. I'm looking over my 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 tiny three volumes I'm like shit have we touched on everything yet <laughs> uh, well, well I, I don't know it's up. it's nice to have a berserk topic that you know after the skull night episode doesn't run for three or because those are like Nine three hours. two hour episodes or something yeah it's weird. <laughs> we actually haven't touched off on anything i mean on everything yet for example what do you think let's talk about the wise man like what do you think about the fact was Vo void uh, tortured is that why he looks like yes. that and was yes. he the wise man what do you think about his relationship with Geyseric is that the case, and yeah. why did he end up like that, and what, how did he go from being a guy in a cell to being what he is currently? When it comes to when it comes to things like that with Berserk's histories, and when it comes to speculations, I almost take always take the path of least resistance. If there's a similarity between those two things, and I buy it. I buy that it's <laughs> probably the wise man in the top of the tower that led to the Tower of Conviction incident ultimately called down the angels yes i completely buy that i buy it <laughs> who else would it have been this is a random wise man that happened to be <laughs> wow uh, you know? no but the didn't they already say there was like four angels at that point that came down 
Four uh, or five? Yeah, it's four or five. It's, well, uh, that, yeah. that's the trick is they do that whole four or five where it's like, oh, you know, so you don't know what the deal is with that, that fuzzy math. But, I mean, yeah. angels, as traditionally always referred to the god hand before, but we don't necessarily know what the hell it was. I mean, it 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 certainly would make sense, I guess. They, it might be god hand members that, that caused that, but... But, you know, uh, it could be so, something else. Yeah, the problem is at the time, uh, there wasn't supposed... I mean, the current members of the good end weren't supposed to exist. So, right. of course, the problem with this is there are always many possibilities. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think we've discussed it before where if, like, if he was a magic user or if he, you know, you said you don't think he would have been into traditional magic. But let's say, let's... Let me just come up with a fan I mean, here he, where yeah, he's, like, the, he's the wise man... He's, you know, let's say he did have a relationship with Gazarek and he was in the tower and tortured and mistreated. And if he could, if he called like the four elemental kings or something, because I remember it that was, was a big deal when we first saw them. Yeah, it was. And that was it would, that it would sort, sort of, of put, it yeah. put that theory on its head. We started to consider, well, if that's the case, then doesn't that change our understanding of what could have happened a thousand years ago? The question, the problem I have with that theory is. For what purpose? I mean, you, the four kings, you don't call them to destroy a city. You call them yeah. to, as a barrier of protection. I mean, well, that being said, uh, we still don't know everything about magic in general. So there are a lot of ways it could have happened. Uh, it could have also be a battle between magic users. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Imagine, yeah. imagine Flora or somebody of a level or even stronger battling another you know, magic user, which is actually powerful. I don't mean like Shiruke battling Daiba since he was just... Uh, I'm not going to say he's a weakling, but his understanding of magic is relatively limited. Yeah. Well, let's just think of it as someone who's like her equivalent that, you know, let's say yeah. the wise man, like some human equivalent of Void. Yeah. So A very formidable, you know, like magic user. Fighting each yeah. other with elementals of, you know, extreme power. It could, could have cataclysmic uh, results. So there are really a lot of ways it could be. It could have, it could have happened. And... Um, but I still think I still think uh, there was something of relation to the good and even back then, even back then. So it's actually I, I, I still think of that time as the birth of the God Hand. I, I think that's where the God Hand started. Was that one incident? Maybe that was the first God Hand moment. But that, is, of course, doesn't explain the four angels appearing. So I, I don't have an answer for that part. I've got something awesome to gross you guys out with. Like imagine human void is like Voldemort. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm just trying to make you sick. <laughs> like, uh, I, sort of like, I actually don't know the the Harry Potter series. I don't know anything about it. I, so. I had to Google the name just now. <laughs> like, I, I can't even. I mean, I, I don't even know how they could be or could not be like each other because I don't even know. I mean, I just know he's a bad guy in the series, but that's it. I don't. I, I don't he was like. I guess he's like a bad magic user or something. Right, yeah, he's right. the evil wizard. And he, he he hated humans though, or he hated regular humans. Was this thing? Why are we even oh. talking about this? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Because uh. <laughs> because Void was inspired by Voldemort. That's why. <laughs> of <Yeah>. course. <laughs> yes. I mean, just anyway. like cloud-inspired guts. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Anyway, well, actually, go ahead, Azil. I was I was going to ask you, what do you think? Uh, what role do you think Void will play in the future? I mean, uh, so I say this with a huge grain of salt, but there was an early interview, I think it was uh, 2001 or 2002, that Olivier uh, was talking early. about. Hmm? So that's not really early, you know? <laughs> I mean, early in terms of the forum. Okay, I'm just, I'm just you know, teasing you anyway. 
Sure. But um, talking was talk, the interview question was talking about you know what the future of Berserk holds, and the, the response was something vague like, "Well, the future of Berserk will have a lot to do with the God Hand's plan, and the key word to that plan is void." That was the answer, and I was like, "What the hell does that even mean, necessarily?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I remember that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I'm, I'm not sure of the legitimacy yeah. of it, but that was something very enigmatic at the time. So we don't it know. definitely yeah. brings to mind that two-page spread of just brain. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So it's yeah, like, it's like undeniably important, but you don't know why. But I mean, even without that interview, we can obviously say that somehow the God Hand will factor into the plans of the world. I just don't know what it is. And, and you know, we've addressed this before, but is the transformation of the world all hand in hand with the God Hand's plan? Or is it merely incidental to what they had to do to bring them to the world, you know? So, mm. thoughts? Well, I didn't listen to what you just said. Sorry, I was reading, trying to find that interview. So, can you repeat? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's fine. Uh, you actually have access to that? That would be really cool. Well, no, I'm just, you know... I'm trying to check, but uh, I, I don't think I'll find. Oh, okay, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I would... uh, my my first inclination would be that it's that it's incidental. Yeah. That it's sort of like I feel like it. They're sort of messing with you know powers even you know bigger than themselves, even though it seems strange to say. Mm-hmm. They're sort of manipulating things on that level to bring themselves into the world, and then you know then proceed with their plans. But uh, I feel like. The reason I think of it that way is because I'm also thinking, like, of the end game and how, like, I feel like in a way, if it was just, you know, if their plan was already being executed perfectly, then, you know, it's sort of like game over. So I feel like there has to at least be an element of, like, this could also be their undoing. Mm. You know, uh, they, but they have, they have to walk that line. So, so, so tell me what so, so, so the question you're asking is uh, whether to bring back astral beings into the world was part of the plan or not, right? Correct. Uh, I, I actually think it could be both ways. Like uh, in one way, it could be just like they have no choice. The femto, I mean, they wanted all of them to be back in the world, or at least uh, their power or something like that. And so to do this, uh, femto had to, you know, merge the world. And another part could be they genuinely wanted to bring back magic in general, and so or merging the worlds. You know, in itself was what they wanted to do. But yeah, I tend to side with Griffiths here in that I think they wanted for their power and themselves to get into the world and it meant bring back everything else and they don't really care about it. But it could be their undoing, much like uh, ignoring Guts, like pointedly ignoring him and I mean, forcefully even letting him be like he doesn't matter, will eventually be their undoing because yeah, at some point he's going to be a threat. And uh, yeah. it will be too late to do something about it. <laughs> so I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think bringing all these things won't be a bother to them, much of a bother, but it will lead or be part of uh, their undoing. But right. yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think they'll be very bothered by dragons or trolls or whatever. In, in, you know, in the worst case, they could even have some sort of control over them. Like overlaws or something. I mean, yeah, like just we've just like about that before. The yeah, true so, name thing. So, yeah, well, there's that, and there's also the fact Slan was able to spawn uh, ogres yeah. and to control trolls in uh, in the Clifforth. So, yeah, in the same way, maybe I don't know, Ubik will have control over you know goblins or something like that. 
<laughs> strange creatures. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird shit, but yeah. Conrad has his rats. <laughs> in, any, in any case, they are, they are all very powerful, so I, I don't think it would be much of a problem for them. Do you think Slan could have conjured an infinite number of schnozzes? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that would be an interesting thing to see. Although I don't think the nose would be the main appendage of uh, the creature she would summon, <laughs> if you catch my drift. Yeah, I, I'd like just just imagine those, you know, coming out of her womb, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> my children. <laughs> yeah. people probably don't know. I kind of didn't even think about it myself until I really thought about it, but uh, I'd only seen two of the Alien movies uh, recently, or, or before now. So I'd only seen Alien Resurrection, which is the very first Alien movie I saw. And then I'd seen Aliens, like bits and pieces of it. I'd never seen the complete thing until probably like, I don't know, like two, or two or three years ago when I actually bought it and sat down to watch it. But until this week, I'd never seen Alien or Alien 3. And wow. so I kind of have like a really discombobulated understanding of the series, obviously. Uh, but I, it's kind of hard to miss a lot of the tropes that come with the series, even not having seen the movies. You kind of know the aliens, their blood is acid. You kind of know that there's an alien queen, she lays eggs and what face suckers do. You kinda, it's hard to miss that, even if you haven't seen the movies. You, know? you kind of just pick that shit up. So I knew a lot of the basics about it, but I didn't know what fundamentally made in the different movies, like what, what, the, what the, the spectrum of quality was like until I'd seen them all. So this week I saw, uh, I rewatched Alien, then I watched, I watched Aliens directly after that, and then two or three days later I watched Alien 3 for the first time. And uh, yeah, um, I, didn't come, I didn't really come away with any unique perspectives on it other than Alien 3 really let me down because like some people on the forum, I think it was Nightcrawler and Praj were both saying, you should give it a chance. You should walk into it with an open mind. I mean, I totally did. Totally open mind. I was prepared to like that movie. And the opening credit sequence short sort of kills it in in the womb. Like, what the fuck? As they're doing the titles, they're killing off like all the other characters you made that were to survive from alien from aliens. But basically, it's kind of like choppily edited together. So you're not even necessarily sure all that's happened. A face hugger breaks loose. An egg was apparently on their little ship. Which, you know, they could have... Here's the thing that... I'm sorry to break in while you're uh, setting the scene, but it's just that scene alone. They could have done that well, where it's like if they had shown it on the shuttle, like the queen had brought it on board, or maybe had one last egg delay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sort of the emergency. And it could have been fine, but it's like it was like... It seemed like it was just in the corner of the ship or something, and it's like, well, that... How did that happen? Yeah. yeah, you know that was I don't know that's that's real you know that's sort of just nerd you know like yeah as a part of nitpicking but still it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna kill everybody <laughs> it probably ought to you know make sense or have a, be, have a good reason behind it because yeah, you know, as you're watching the credits you're kind of like what seriously this this is the, this is the direction they're going in the credit sequence oh okay sure Go, sorry thing is, Go ahead. even even as a kid I found it retarded you know I mean. 
it, it's not believable. Like, well, they, they missed the egg. The reason they missed it. It's not yeah. like it was well hidden or anything. It's just... Yeah, you know, it was like... It, I remember it being, like, sort of, like, in in the open, like, with a white background almost. Like, it was really not, like... Yeah, it wasn't concealed at all. And, and later on, she actually, you know, revives Bishop or, you know, basic functions of Bishop, the android. Yeah. And gets him to do a, you know... Reads the records of the ship, and the ship's computers were like, "Yeah, there was an alien there." Like, really? <laughs> maybe, maybe you should have done a sweep before we went into hypersleep. Maybe I don't know. Fuck. We were just so relieved that after we thought we had gotten away again, and then the alien queen attacked us again, that nothing could have happened again. So we were just, we just went to sleep. <laughs> it's like, and again, I mean, like, one last it's it's hard to just say. And moving on from that nightmare, the rest of the movie was like, what's the point? I mean, the, the movie was basically boned from the from the outset. I mean, I, I did like Alien Three. What it tries to do with the tone, it, it, it's it's a little more slower paced. There's not an immediate threat. I mean, the threat's there and kind of lurking in the background. But you know, part of you is just like, finally, this this character gets a chance to breathe a little bit. But it's also and then it just kind of falls apart. Just like every, it really did feel like. I mean, I only heard bits and pieces about what the production of the movie, but even just watching it, it was very evident that it was multiple scripts combined into like a mishmash of like a mess. Like it was trying to do too many different things at once, and none of them were necessarily successful. So uh, fuck, fuck Alien Three. It was, like, <laughs> okay. it, was, it was a waste of my time. I feel like I don't know. I think I'm like the most positive on it here. Because, really? like, I, I feel like, I don't know, part of me, there's this, like, longing about it where it's like, I wish, like, you know, like you said, you were prepared to like it. You I think you said in your post you wanted to like it. Yes. And it's like, I still kind of want to like it. I feel like there's, you know, I like David Fincher. I like his movies. I feel like if he had been allowed to sort of, you know, have his way, there could have been, like, a good David Fincher movie in there. And that you can kind of see that in certain scenes and just in the cinematography yeah. and in, you know, the tone. But that, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if there's a like if there's a great alien movie in there. But I mean, I I wish he could go back and sort of fix it, or that he was willing to. But I don't know. I heard he had like seven pages of reshoots that he that he would have to do for it to be good. So maybe that there's no editing that can save it as I mean, far as that goes. Even even the concept of this movie, like I have problems with the concept, and and anything after Aliens, I pretty much have a problem with fundamentally because. So really, this this is this person's life. This is the the thrust of the series is Ripley wakes up and they're they're aliens still. That's it. I mean, that's that's going to happen every single movie. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it gets absurd. I mean, if I mean, they it, wanted, it's like Die Hard in that way. Yeah, <laughs> the same should happen. The same guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know. I mean, yeah, sure. The premise itself is a bit, you know. I mean, they are milking the franchise at this point, but. Uh, uh, I also I don't like Alien Three. I think it's very boring. Mostly that's my problem with it. But I agree with Griffin that I think it could have been good. It could have been good under other circumstances. And like I told you, Wally, I think if there's one thing I have to take from it that I think was well done is that they shaved, you know, Ripley's head. <laughs> and yeah, she, she looks like a badass now. But as as for the rest of the movie, I think there are a lot of problems with it. And mostly it's just not very, not very good. It's mostly boring and. I can appreciate that Fincher sort of tried to move back to the original movie, slow pace, more mm -hmm. tension, but yeah, it fails. It fails. It could be the production. It's also the fact they went through, I don't know, 30 scripts. You know, actually, I read bits and pieces about the original script by William Gibson, and 
Wow. It was pro- it was promising at the time. Uh, I I think Segun uh, and Weaver wasn't really on board yet, so it, it focused more on Hicks and uh, Newt. It was completely different. I mean, huh. there was so many different things, so many different versions. It's just yeah, it's just a mess, and uh, it's unfortunate because I think it could have been good, even though at yeah, this the- point, yeah, they were clearly milking the franchise. Well, yeah, they had like I remember they had like just whole different concepts and different kinds of planets that it might have taken place on, like yeah. not just like the different like story elements that happened that were obviously a mismatch, but just completely different, you know, setups. No, yeah. Actually, you know, fundamentally I th- different. I might be mistaken, but I think the prison planet concept was a. Uh, it was originally. You know, supposed to be for for another movie, and they sort of you know fit it in there in the alien universe. It's a yeah, it's a mess. I don't remember the details, but the script. <laughs> I mean, it's a, to me, it's a, as responsible for the the movie as the production uh, was. Oh, I, I I agree. I mean, the problem, in my opinion, was not Fincher because there there are times when he nails the the atmosphere and the way the characters are on screen. Everything works great, but it's the script what it comes down to is a problem, in my opinion, for that movie. With the yeah. actual things that are happening on screen, the actual action and thrust of the movie is the, the problem with that movie, to me. Yeah. Well, and also, but, uh, it's not just the the script, but apparently there was a lot of, like, studio interference. You know, I mean, he wasn't yeah. David Fincher back then. He was just some, some guy yeah. they didn't p- totally trust. Yeah. And felt like he was, you know, boning the whole thing. So, yeah, that was a problem, too. Like, I mean, like, I guess the final theatrical cut isn't even, like... You know, there's the assembly cut, which, you know, uh, some people swear by. Because it was supposed to be more like what he originally turned in. But even that, I mean, I think he doesn't even own that. Like, he doesn't, you know, yeah. he doesn't support it. Like, he just He's, says, I don't know what that is. I've never seen it. You know, <laughs> he, he, he can't, like, he can't even, like, vouch for it. Sort he, of a he's, thing. He's on the movie, yeah. And yeah, and what I've read from interviews with him is like he said, it's like his, my version would require you know like seven pages of reshoots. So it's like okay, so there really isn't anything in existence that you would want to put your name on from like, how it turned out. It's like Bob Hoskins looking back at Mario Brothers, basically. <laughs> yeah. Just to acknowledge it. No, well, I, I, mean, I think I read the line from him like no, like you hate if you hate that movie, I hate it more. Nobody hates that movie more than me. <laughs> is that Fincher or? That's Pop- Fincher. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, that's Fincher on Alien 3. I didn't, I didn't prepare with uh, Bob Hoskins' <laughs> like quotes today. <laughs> um, well, obviously, I mean, I started talking with Alien 3, but it's because I have so little to say about Alien Alien, and Aliens because I think they're fantastic movies. Um, if it- there's nothing to complain about, I have nothing to say. I've, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, they're both fantastic. Um, I think... Watching Alien, I, w- I went into it with this perspective. Obviously, I had not seen it before, but I knew a little bit. I knew the ch- I knew certain things that happened. I knew the chest bursting thing would happen because um, I've seen Spaceballs. <laughs> that was my big reveal <laughs> yeah. for that scene. <laughs> but um, I knew I knew certain things. I knew that they were basically space truckers or space miners, or you know, they weren't exactly like the smartest bit uh, out there. When that's that's what I really appreciated about Alien was the setting uh, and. The time that this movie came out, it must have been crazy looking and feeling for this kind of movie. It was in the, was it late seventies, at seventy nine. Yeah, I think so. It was either seventy eight or seventy nine. I think seventy nine. I, mean, yeah. I know Star Wars had came out, but that was like the vision of sci fi they had at the time. This was a completely different type of sci fi, you know. And I'm a, it must have it been was, very incredible. It was like normal people in space. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I really appreciated about it. It was. I mean, they weren't like geniuses. They weren't even necessarily like superheroes or heroes. It was just 
space truckers, basically, with Sigourney Weaver being sort of an, the exceptional one, of course. Yeah. And also, I guess, uh, oh, God, what was the name of the robot in there? Ash, right? Yeah, Ash. Yeah. Who, like, that was, like, sort of the the extent of that. That was, like, the normal people who got involved with, like, something bigger than themselves with, you know, when they find out his real purpose and, like, why they were sent there and everything. Right. But it still kept, like, yeah, sort of that, you know, average people, average Joes, you know, doing their job in space. And on top of that, of course, you have the awesome design of the xenomorphs themselves, which is yeah. kind, of, kind of makes the movie. It's, it's what yeah. it's the iconic design that makes that movie significant. Uh, and yeah, when I was when I was a kid, my dad had like a vintage like art book from Alien, oh, cool. like from back when it like I guess when it first came out, and it was just full of like H and R Geiger, you know, H R Geiger, you know, like uh, images and paintings, yeah. and like showed all the sculpts and you know how they built everything. And I remember just when I was a kid, just going through that and you know being fascinated yeah. with everything. <laughs> That kind of brings me to the point of why I bothered watching these now, and actually, it's not has nothing to do with Prometheus. I guess that's in, in the back of my mind. I was thinking, yeah, I hadn't seen these. I should probably watch these movies before Prometheus comes out. But the real thrust of it was me and Azil were having a discussion about Dune, and I think I said to him, like, I really hope ultimately someone comes off that can do Dune justice, the book, and make a really decent, amazing movie out of it. Uh, and he's like, dude, <laughs> they tried. You know, <laughs> I did not know about this massive uh, initiative back throughout the '70s and even the '60s. Was it? That's a uh, long yeah. time. But yeah, I don't, I can't remember all the details or the names associated with this project. As you might be able to think of the name of it, but yeah, well, so many people walked on it. Uh, it. The project was driven by Jodorowsky. He's a, a famous, you know, artist, and there had a lot of people on board, including Salvador Dali and you know Geiger himself. And the guy, uh, I forgot the name of the guy, but uh, what? The, the, it's a dude who eventually wrote the script for Alien, basically. Right. And yeah, a, a lot of it, uh, a lot of that movie went into Alien. Well, a lot. Some of that movie went into Alien. Yeah. After the the Dune movie fell through, and uh, yeah, that's that's. I think that's part of why, honestly, the movie is so iconic. Because mm-hmm. to me, the original. I, I love uh, Aliens. I really love it. I think it's a great action movie. Definitely one of the best out there, but the original is clearly, I mean, it's a cornerstone of uh, sci-fi, you know, movies to me. It's, it really changed a lot of things, brought a lot of things on the screen. And it's not just that it's different for Star Wars, that it features, you know, average Joes. It's it's very greedy, you know. Yeah. I don't know, that kind of realism, it's, it's, uh, it's quite incredible. I think it's a really, really important movie for, you know, cinema in general. And uh, yeah, so it it has a lot of the background with famous artists at the time. Another thing that struck me, and this is somewhat tangential, is whenever I watch a movie like that that I haven't seen, and it, it strikes me as being really unique and incredible, and it's so old, is it just it depresses me that nothing's really come <laughs> since that really hit that same mark. You know, and it's just yeah. like, oh, has, has, have we really done nothing in the past thirty years to achieve something like this? Come on, fuck. The Dark Knight. Yeah, <laughs> so, sorry. What's that, that, that Guy Pierce sci-fi movie with the space jail? I mean, that's that's our that's, that's our new attempt at sci-fi. You know, is yeah. it, I thought that was Prometheus because isn't he like the head of the oh, <laughs> the company? I'm <God. laughs> oh, sorry, this is he has to go in. That's going to be Prometheus three set on a prison. It's going to be <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some people will say, "Oh, Prometheus is going to be the next alien." Like, okay, sure. Oh well, not Ridley Scott. I've got another quote right here. I got a quote from him, like, because this is. 
because we were talking about this on the board, how it's sort of, you know, the way they're having it both ways with Prometheus. Because it's like if, you, if you've if seen Alien and you look at the trailer for Prometheus, one of the many trailers that gives away half the movie. Right. You you can clearly see, you know, like, it's it's Alien. You know, it's it's the same. You know, and this is what he has to say. The Prometheus owned is called, owned by an entrepreneur called Peter Wayland, who is played by Guy Pearce. That's the connection between the two films and nothing more. Prometheus is a new film, a new world, and is full of new ideas. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like I see the I see the spaceship from Alien in it, and yeah. the space jockey. It's you know, it's obviously the same. I mean, unless that's a giveaway. What he's saying is it actually a different planet? You know, with the same kind of ship and you know different things on board. Like in you know, I don't know. I doubt but it. Otherwise, I doubt it, yeah. It. Otherwise, it seems like he's full of shit. That <laughs> doesn't that. sound. That doesn't sound good. You know, if he's saying it's the same, it's a different planet that looks the same, different ships that look the same. So it's just you know. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, but I mean, just his. I mean, his claim is obviously hollow. It's like I don't know. They're trying to distance it as much as possible from Alien, but then I feel like it's gonna. You know, the end result is gonna be like surprise. It's Alien. <laughs> like at the end. Yeah. I, I think it should have Alien in the title, just to, on, on principle, it should, because this, this is t- tied to the Alien universe. Wayland, well, like Wayland Utani, I'm assuming, is the connection there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, sure. you know, you you know what I like about it, not like what I sort of get about them, just calling it Prometheus, is that you know, from Ridley Scott's perspective, he could sort of look at Aliens, you know, even if he like respects it and thinks it was good, and you know, everything that came after, which he could easily not think that. And sort of say, well, you know what? This is the real like follow up to Alien. That other stuff, you know, that never happened, as far as I'm concerned. That that franchise is a mess, and I don't want to be associated with it. It wasn't the movie. I, it wasn't what the movie that I made was about, anyway. This is this is the real follow up, and it can just have a different name, right? Yeah, true. I, I want to. Or, you know, you, it's sort of like you you can pretend the other movies never happened if you you know are so inclined, and that there is no Alien franchise. Like these are just two films. That's if Prometheus is good. If Prometheus stinks, then it's like it's gonna fall. Be, it's gonna be another <laughs> another disaster in the franchise that can't give it right itself. But um, uh, well, you know, at this point anyway, with Alien versus Predator, I mean, it's just gone already. It's just gone. Yeah, yeah it, it, that is weird. It's like you know, Wayland Utani. It's like there's been a merger. You know, these they don't even have their own franchises anymore. They've thrown their lot together, and with disastrous <laughs> consequences. Those movies. So I don't I was, know. I I like that. Like okay, we're making a clean start. It's like a fresh break here. I was reading some of the things about um, Ridley Scott's perception of the other movies, and also Sigourney Weaver's perception of the other movies. She actually um, they were they were pitching around the idea for Aliens versus Predator back around the time of Alien Resurrection, and she said like in quotes that sounds like garbage or something. That sounds like trash or something like that <laughs> at the time. And she was she, right. Uh, she apparently signed on to Alien Resurrection just because she liked the idea of a merger between the Queen and Ridley's character. So they kind of gave her some uh, nuance for her character. But to touch on this briefly, I- I've not seen Alien Resurrection in a long time. It's been a decade, probably. Now, I want to ask you about that, actually. Okay, sure. But uh, re- Now, because you saw that one first, do yeah. you think that you're somewhat inoculated against it? Like, if you watched it now, would it not be as offensive to you? Because that's what you were first exposed to, <laughs> like, as Alien. Did you actually sort of get it? Or, like, in some part of your mind, be like, well, this is this is what it's about. Like, that's a, your foundation, almost. No. You know, uh-huh. for the series. So, no, I, was, is that... I wasn't really paying attention to it at the time. 
honestly. I mean, okay. I, I think I was with a girl when I saw it in theaters, and we weren't really watching it that much. But okay, I remember. <laughs> I, was... <laughs> I remember parts of it. We weren't really. I wasn't really. I didn't think the movie was very good, even in the end. So I mean, it wasn't like I thought it was great. Especially but... in the end, if I yeah, remember. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> oh God, what a disaster! Jesus Christ! <laughs> but I want to French man. It's a yeah, fucking to... Frenchman who did it. Sorry, guys. I, I know. I, I, I'm shooting myself in the face right now. So... It is shameful. I remember, and I remember leading up to that movie because, of course, it was supposed to be the savior. It was supposed to right all the wrongs of Alien Three. You know, it was gonna, it was gonna fix everything. Haven't we heard that line just five minutes earlier? <laughs> oh yeah, Prometheus. It's gonna um, fix everything. I wanted to touch on one thing with the Alien Resurrection, just to kind of get it off my chest. Um, so, is the premise of the movie? That Rip Ridley's dead. Rip, Rip Ridley's dead. Rip, Rip Ridley's dead. That should have been the name of the movie, like, you know, <laughs> Freddy's dead. So, Waylon Yutani manages to clone her, right? I, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. They clone her, but she's got alien DNA in her Max, blood. Max, no fucking sense. No fucking <laughs> sense. Fuck, Jesus Christ. It's so, it's so fucking absurd. Like, yeah. I read that. I, I was like, is that really what happened? So I read it on, on Wikipedia. I was like, no way. No, no way. That can't be what the premise is. <laughs> really? That's what it is? That the alien, they got the alien queen? Like, oh, I got her because he's just in Ripley. I remember it lets really? her play basketball really well. Oh, my <laughs> she, like, God. She can, like, hit baskets from, you know, behind her back and everything. She doesn't have to look. She's got alien reflexes. Yeah. No one in the think, crew like, oh, actually, this part of the script, the fundamental part of how we bring the queen and Ridley back, doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know. Part of me <laughs> wants to watch it again and just see if I appreciate it as just an insane sort of sci-fi movie with yeah, all this absurd stuff. I remember there's like some pseudo-sexual tension between her and Winona Ryder, who's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it's just like, is this movie, like, is this actually a fun movie if you're not, you know, if you don't have any, because when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is going to be it. They've got more. It's aliens this time. It's going to be aliens too. <laughs> and, and yeah, my uh, my little, my little childhood expectations were wrecked. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I was wondering if you could watch it today and be like, well, yeah, that, you know. <laughs> I do. I do intend to watch it. And I actually wanted to watch it before recorded, but I, I'm kind of dreading it, you know, after I read the premise of what it was. Because after Aliens, Alien 3 is over, I was wondering, okay, she's dead, like, straight up. How do they bring her back in 4? I'm like, so I read it, and I was like, oh, my fucking God. I cannot watch that shit. Oh, horrifying. It it did make Alien 3 look good. Like, now, it's like, that's the trilogy right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can, on, on paper, Alien 3 is actually, like you know, a worthy follow-up, and that's like, hey, it's directed by, you know, another great director, you know, of a different generation, you know, sort of a thing. And, you know, it's got a different style, it's unique, you know, whereas Alien Resurrection is where, like, that was basically the beginning of the Alien versus Predator, right. you know, era for the series. So, so is Ridley Scott, I, I've, I've read that he did not, I mean, I kind of I read a quote in the Prometheus interview where he said, like, yeah, well, I've seen those other movies, but, you know, well, they're not as good as mine. But does he really not like Aliens? Has he got a record saying Aliens, like he thinks, is an unworthy, unworthy sequel? Uh, I don't think – I've never heard, like, that okay. sentiment. But, I mean, I haven't heard really anything from him on it. I mean, I don't okay. think he's gone out of his way to praise it. But I might have – I think I might have read some, like, faint praise from him about it. 
Okay. But, you I know, he made curious, sure to point out how it was, like, different from his yeah. vision. Everything. I mean, obviously it's different, but it's still a very good movie. Uh, and yeah. it's, maybe he's just maybe he's just bitter, embittered because of Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. And maybe that's what well, he meant. You know, that. think about it. Like, if you had made Alien and, like, some other guy made another movie that was totally different from... Like, first of all, you didn't, if you didn't even want to make a sequel to it and you felt, like, ownership over it... I'd probably sure. be pretty pissed that anybody did it, and it, especially if it's like, well, what are they doing? Like franchising this? Like you know, they don't care, you yeah. know. So even if you know, aliens, if it's in, if it's a different kind of movie too, it's like this action movie. It would be easy for them to sort of look down on it and be like, well, this is just dumb, you know. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Standards were different back in the back in the eighties. Like that was sort of in the heyday of those kind of action movies. So right. even though Aliens, like, in retrospect, is one of the best of them, at the time it might have been like, well, yeah, this is what, you know, big blockbuster movies are like now. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we could have easily just said, like, oh, great, they made, you know, they made my thing into, like, a dumb action movie. Yeah. <sighs> well, um, as far as favorites are concerned, I think I said on the thread, Aliens is still my favorite. It's the one closest to my heart, even after watching them back-to-back. But Alien, I totally acknowledge, is a better film in almost every regard. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in the same place. Alien is like the better movie. The only like fly in the alien ointment is at the very end when you see it like outside the airlock and you, you see that it's a big rubber suit. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only. There's a, there's a couple things like that that I mean. Yeah. The, the special effects somewhat detract. Like you can tell the way it when moves the, in the chest burster scene. Yeah, I mean, little, you can tell it's you know, you can right. see the you can sort of see the effects and the staging a little bit the way it's being done. Yeah, and. Uh, in still, Alien, that's that's one of the thing in Aliens that really holds up is that you know it, that was sort of at the height of like the puppetry mm-hmm. and you know the suits and the effects and also the way they did it where they didn't really show like I think they used a lot of like weird sort of puppetry for a lot of the alien shots other than the Queen too like when they were crawling on the walls and when you see them and they look kind of weird and thin they don't yeah. look like guys in suits anyway for the most part they just shot it sort of cleverly in that regard. Did, this, and, you know, did, this, did, this, did the special effects actually get worse between Aliens and Alien Three? I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, they well, because again, because like that was at the height of one like yeah. really well, like a pretty much a perfect like effect medium, like with the puppets and everything, where it's like you could make things like the Alien Queen. When I watched that movie, That's I still feel incredible. like I still feel like they had an Alien Queen on the set, you know, like that they were filming with, like like it was like more like it looks more like you know. They had an animal wrangler, you know, doing it. Then it was yeah. puppeteers, whereas you know, Alien Three, unfortunately, was at the beginning of sort of the CGI boom, and they didn't right. have the benefit of like all. I mean, I guess you know, every great CGI artist of that time, all the pioneers were working on Jurassic Park. Yeah, and they they obviously didn't have those guys, right? And so, I mean, maybe they did have someone from there, but I mean, they didn't have like that kind of team, and yeah, it just suffers for it. Like that's a movie where I feel like you know they do. You know, they had the Aliens, like, special edition, which I'm not a big fan of, even. I, I just, I like the pacing of the the theatrical cut and everything. I thought it yeah, was... Yeah, just... I, I agree. I, I think the extended edition is uh, too long. It, it loses pace. It's, yeah, it's too long. It, uses, it loses pace. The scenes they added, it's like, you know, well, this is neat, you know, to know and for background, but it's like, I didn't, I didn't need it. Yeah. And, uh... I think I've actually Al- only seen the special edition. That's the one I oh, have. Oh, really? Yeah. Well... Check out the theatrical cut if you have a chance. But, uh, yeah, the Alien 3 is the movie that would benefit from an extended edition or a special edition. I guess, like, the assembly cut, you know. <laughs> More but of it? Only, 
<laughs> well, you know, go back and fix it. Like it's like they always do yeah. that. Like we're gonna make this, mo- or we're gonna do a special edition of this movie that was already perfect. And it's like, wait a minute, no, <laughs> you don't need to do that. Stop. <laughs> Whereas, like, it's if you've got a movie that was like flawed and you know maybe could be mended, you know, that's th- that's the movie you should do a special edition of. It's like, hey, this movie could have been good, but it's you know fucked up for various reasons. Let's go back and redo the effects on that. Like, <laughs> did did Star yeah. Wars need new effects? No. Did does Alien Three? Yes. <laughs> so do do a special. <laughs> edition of that yeah where you redo the alien and that, that, that probably, would be perfect fine. it probably wouldn't even be that difficult because most of the shots of the alien they're almost like i don't i don't know what the word for it is but it's a, it's like a clip oh it's like stock footage almost a lot of the times the, the alien shots are not integrated with the scenery of the actors yeah. sometimes there's a couple shots but for the most part it's on a set by itself is what it looks like so you can the recreate times- that really easily yeah, the times when they use like the puppets in the movie, it looks fine. Yeah. The alien, like it, I think they had Geiger back for that one. Yeah, they it, did. Like yeah. it was the smooth head alien again. Yeah, and it was. I wonder what the why they changed it in Aliens. If there was like legal reasons. I probably knew this once upon a time, or if they just wanted to be a little different or make it look scarier or something. I'm sure but, that was uh, it. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was just interesting, like that they they really could. I feel like go a long way towards like fixing that movie but it's like they no one it's not a classic so yeah. no one goes back and ever fixes like damaged movies it's like the, it's the flawed movies that ought to be remade and you know made you know or have special editions made of them right yep <laughs> sorry i got off on sort of a side rant there and then there's um after the movies actually between alien 3 and alien resurrection there's uh the dark horse comic series which has robocop versus terminator versus alien <laughs> oh shut the hell up <laughs> what the hell are you? you're gonna okay i'm gonna bring up the buffy versus aliens comic that came out i think yesterday oh my god it exists yeah. yes this exists Dark Horse handles both properties. So yesterday they brought it out for like free comic book day. It's actually you I think you can pick it up for free at comic book stores appropriately priced. But <laughs> so wow. yeah, that exists. Actually, I'm that's, looking at That's canon. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this existed, but I was I was googled for it. It's a RoboCop versus the Terminator written by Frank Miller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frank. Yep. Yep. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. So yeah, that, that exists. Um, sadly, I actually have not seen Aliens versus Predator. I have absolutely no intention of ever seeing it. So yeah, I remember when Alien versus Predator two came out and people were like, "Oh man, it's actually good." And you know, I'm like, "Oh, should I listen to these people? <laughs> should I trust them?" And you know, I watched it and it was. I was greatly offended by it. Actually, it made it Alien versus again. It's like things keep getting worse. To the point that the next one makes the last one, it like legitimizes it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I looked at Alien versus Predator two, and it was just so bad, so offensively bad. It was so cliched. It took every other scene from like Aliens and every other movie and just tried to recreate it in a horrible, like. It, and for some reason, the aliens came to Earth, and it's like the '90s, or you know, it's like you know, just regular current day Earth. What? More or less, they're like breaking into people's houses. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, using the toilet, leaving a mess, no you know, eating way. people. Are you... Oh yeah, <laughs> yes way. <laughs> like, that, that is how it is. Is there and a riff tracks for that? Maybe I'll there... see if there's, if there's a riff tracks. I'll watch it. <laughs> and it was just, it just was so bad. Oh my god, yeah, it was terrible. I and I remember my dad. I, you know, it was my dad who made me watch it. He was like, "It's pretty good," and I watched it. No. And I just, I, I watched all. Back for well, the man. I'm sorry to. 
What a traitor. Uh, I yeah, didn't so, see... Uh, you, know, you didn't I, see I, two? <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't see two. I mean, yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather, you know, I don't know. I'd rather kill somebody than watch it. But uh, <laughs> I, I saw the first one, I think, in theaters. You know, my friends dragged me to it, even though I knew it was shit. And I, and I actually didn't want to see it. Even though I like, you know, the concept of... Uh, Alien vs Predator. I like it. It's a yeah, it's a nerdy concept, but it's funny. And the game, you know, the first game uh, was pretty good. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. The one but... on Jaguar? <laughs> no, 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 the one on PC. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Folks, the Jaguar one. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was pretty good, and I liked it. But I didn't read the comics, and uh, the movie was was terrible. I, actually, I felt really bad watching the the first movie already. Even though I'm sure it's you know a gem compared to the second one, but oh, yeah. I already I, I felt really bad and uh, I didn't enjoy it at all. You know that's coming from somebody who's got uh, you know the Predator two DVD. So yeah. <laughs> Spe- speaking of Predator two, what's the precedent for tying those two universes together? I know you can see a Xenomorph's uh, remains in the Predator's like you know trophy room basically in Predator two. Yeah. 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 But how how do they? Tie those two together as far as like the business end is concerned. Are they owned by the same company? Oh, I see. Are they both 20th Century Fox? Uh, it's a. Uh, it started with the comic books. I think it's Dark Horse who started it. They also had novels. Strangely enough, where uh, like I remember when I was a kid, I like I was like in the grocery store, like Vons or you know something like that. Maybe a pharmacy type place. They they would have like novel racks with like trashy aliens novels, like by Steve Perry, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And like they Tyler had this Perry's brother, right? <laughs> no, no, the, the guy from Journey. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, and they they'd have these books, and like I would buy them just for the covers. I wouldn't read them. I would just buy them. I'm like a little kid. I'm like aliens, predators, and they had an alien versus predator book. I wish I still had it. I'd like read it now. But uh, <laughs> it like it had on the cover basically in my mind what is like the basic alien versus predator sort of cliche or trope which is it shows like the predator like holding an alien by the throat up in the air like on this you know like desert planet and on the (laughs) ground there's like this warrior woman like next to the predator that is i presumably his ally and that's like a, a trope that they followed consistently in all the movies the predator will sort of adopt a human you know, in the right. fight that it respects, and it and they follow that in Alien versus Predator. There's like this, uh, there's this woman that you know holds her own again. You know, has to fight an alien queen, and uh, you know, I think the Predator like scratches her face at the end, like uses like a piece of the alien with like acid on it to put a mark on her face, like you know, wow. as like yeah. a, like as a sign of you know. Her, you know, it would. It, I would have, you know, sort of argued it would have been better if that had happened naturally, <laughs> like as a scar. <laughs> you know, like I didn't actually get scarred fighting the alien. You had to like arbitrarily add it. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know. That makes it less cool. But and I think they did that again in Alien versus Predator too. But I don't know. So I kind of appreciated the first movie on that level. But I mean, after I watched it, I was extremely disappointed just because it was, you know, it's a bad movie. It had shaky cam action. Ooh, it had yes. Some, yeah, it had some it had some neat shots of the alien queen. It was kind of neat to see the alien queen handled in a modern way. But you know, for every neat shot of her, there were like CGI shots where it's like you know she looked better in Aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like where have we come <laughs> since so, then? If it's worse now. Aliens vs Predator is that Paul W S Anderson? Yes. Okay. Oh, Zero. Is, is I couldn't a, a get dog? him for part two. Is there a dog that's kicked in that movie? I'm just curious. <laughs> I do not know. I this is okay. some inside Paul W. S. Anderson humor that 
I'm looking. I'm looking at some pictures of it now. Does it have Bishop in it? It looks like they have the actor that plays yeah, Bishop think, in that movie. Yeah, he's playing the president of Ireland. Lance so Hendrickson will do anything for money. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he <laughs> this. I see. He's playing either as the you know CEO of Wayland or the one of Utani. But yeah, it's who's ageless? Yeah, because it, it's set in modern Earth, so it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's uh, it's it's pretty bad. Well, he's probably yeah, been done. like cloned or roboticized for years, you know, is how they would, you know, do the story. Because that's just, you know, how this shit works in these bad movies. No, but do you remember the big draw for Alien vs. Predator 2? I know you guys didn't see it, but did you guys get any get it from the advertising? No. no. I didn't watch the advertising. Yet. Oh, they have the, the they have one? the they have the pred alien in it. Oh. Oh yeah, I yeah, I remember now. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was that was the big draw. It, it had the, the you could finally see the the pred alien on the big screen. I just sent a link to you guys in the chat if you can check that out. Real quick. That face. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's like a great movie. Let's 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 move on. Um Yeah. Is that being said, you know, just coming back to the novels a little bit. That's uh, that's right. his first time seeing I, a vagina. I, I, I actually saw on Amazon, uh, uh, you know, more than ten years ago, a novel that was the title was I'm pretty sure, Alien versus Predator versus Terminator versus Robocop, and that's oh, an, wow, actual, an actual novel. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure I can still find it on Amazon if you know, given enough time. I, I didn't buy it, needless to say, but. I was intrigued by the idea. Yeah. I love how RoboCop just gets thrown in the mix. It's like, fuck it, why not, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know, I count, I count RoboCop as being part of that, you know, those action movies of the 80s. It's pretty amazing. How about, is, can you throw Goonies in there, too? Just, like, throw them in there? Like, nah. Goonies, no? <laughs> die, die Hard versus Die Hard? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, where do you draw the line? <laughs> fuck. RoboCop versus the Terminator. Actually, I, I they should. Understand. Die Hard would kind of actually make sense thrown in there because he would be like the he would be the human <laughs> in the competition. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's also the Aliens vs Predator arcade game, which is pretty fantastic. The Capcom based. Uh, oh yeah. Up. It's always fun. And the horrible one for Super Nintendo that where it sort of tries to do that but it fails. I never I never played it. Yeah, it's 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 a bad port, or it's it's actually a totally different like game, like story and like the graphics. But it's uh, it's just it's one of those bad beat 'em ups for the SNES where it's just a real slog to get through. It's not fun uh, at all. Wow. Well, um, are we wrapping up Alien? Are we done with that stuff? Uh, what I think one last thing, like, cause okay. we we touched on Prometheus, but I mean, how are you guys looking forward to Prometheus? Uh, at, like this how point, much at this point, after after seeing after seeing all the movies minus Alien Resurrection, I, I'm not looking forward to it at all because it's just gonna not meet my expectations for what I want a movie like that to be. Like, it, it, but I'll, I'll I'll see it probably unless it gets like universally panned. I'll probably go see it to see what it, make my own conclusions. But I'm not super excited about it to be honest. Well. Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, I've kept myself as spoiler-free as possible, so I haven't uh, watched the trailers or anything. And I have relatively high expectations for it, I won't lie. Which means, uh, I mean, given that it's Ridley Scott, I I don't know, I have this uh, hope that it will be pretty good. Even though it won't be, I mean, purely alien movie, it will be rated, and I hope it will be good. So, you know, I would say, even though I know it will probably not be that good, 
I have some pretty high hopes for it. So I'll probably go see it, of course. Yeah, I I feel like, yeah, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, and I, I feel sort of uh, trapped by my expectations either. Like, I feel, like, down on it. Because I felt down on it a while ago because I, I did, like, get exposed to some spoilers. I wish I hadn't and saw some things. But then I, like, I don't know. I heard about some other things that made it seem promising again. So I don't know. I'm sort of, like, stuck like, I, I feel like my expectations are just high enough that I'll be disappointed. <laughs> like, and I'm not going to feel good about it going in either. <laughs> you know, sort of, I'm like going in with like false low expectations, but I'm hoping it's going to be great. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not going to be happy, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go see it. And like you said, like, it's Ridley Scott. And I don't know, I've trashed him on the board, you know, his track record recently. But I mean, like you said, his last couple of sci-fi movies were pretty good. So we could yeah. always, you know, sort of just blindly, you know, hold on to that. Like, so, Wait, yeah, are we I talking mean, about Blade Runner and Alien? Is his last? Couple yeah, of those. I think yeah. those were his last two sci-fi movies. <laughs> okay. That's why people are so excited. It's like, oh right. wow, this guy was <laughs> great twenty or thirty years ago. <laughs> have you guys know? Yeah, have you guys ever watched Legend? No. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if it, I remember. I saw it as a kid, and I tried to rewatch it recently, and I couldn't even get through like the first ten minutes. It was so sort of. Like cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's pretty cheesy. You know, it's like I, I won't say it's like Dark Crystal, but uh, those uh, those fantasy movies back then were pretty cheesy. To it's me, my favorite. Were... Sorry, I was going to say my favorite out of uh, all of them is uh, Willow, which I think is still is still pretty great for what it is, and uh, yeah, I still like it. And it's also actually I believe the first movie I ever saw in the theater. Wow. Oh. You should watch Ill- you should watch Willow again. I would love to hear your ex- experience of it. Well, I've I've seen it uh, a few years ago. I, really? I watched it again. Yeah, and I, and I was it was what I remembered. Okay. I still think uh, Matt Martigan is a pretty funny character. Yeah, he's a cool guy. So, yeah, he's he's probably um, what's his name, Val Kilmer's best role, I think. I like him in Real Genius. If we could combine those two characters, he'll be the best character. Ever. <laughs> I would yeah, love to yeah, see it. He's, he's, <laughs> I saw Real Genius like last week again. I mean, I have it. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. Well, I haven't seen it in, I don't know, like 20 years. It's pretty good. Well, we'll wrap up Alien. Um, I guess we're all sort of, we're all going to see Prometheus, so I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Yeah. This movie's out, so you'll hear about it. Um, We'll share our thoughts on it. We got a bunch of user questions, guys. Thanks for sending those in. As always, we've actually got a crap load of questions this time. I'm not sure we're going to be able to get through all of them, uh, given how much time we've already been recording. But I will try to get through as much as we can. Um, the first one comes in from Slime Behirit. He asks about spoilers that the admins are generally, you know, subjected to. His question is, what do you guys think about spoilers when it comes to Berserk? In an effort to get us the episodes, it's unavoidable. You guys will see blurry images and out-of-event sequences. Uh, so what's the worst thing you spoiled yourself or someone else spoiled you for in Berserk? Uh, and do you regret having to transcribe it? I mean, I'll answer first. I think I've said in the thread before, but episode 303 and 304 were the worst for me because, I mean, at the same time, as excited as I was to see Skull Knight versus Femto, 
you know, it would have been infinitely more exciting having seen the episode naturally, the way it's revealed. Like, you just see a tear in space with the sword coming through before you see that happen. It, it would have been incredible. But uh, You see, I'm, I'm glad you said that mm-hmm. because, like, I, I, like, see it completely the other way. Like okay. to me, that is that was like the best spoiler ever. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I appreciated it just like and the fact that I couldn't like just go to the next page, yeah. and find out what was happening because it's like if I was reading it like if, once I saw that I would have like speed read the episode. Yeah. And you know that would have almost been more spoilerific. It just forced me to stare at that image and sort of contemplate you know the ramifications of it and also imagine you know the anticipation of what was going to happen you know next. Like, I actually really loved that. Do you remember the first moment that you saw it? Because it's actually recorded. Because I, um, you you had not seen the image yet. You think you were offline. And so everyone on the forum was already responding to it. And so I got in the chat and everyone was in there talking about it. And so I called you on cell phone and I told them in the chat that I was going to record your reaction, like, as it happened. Wow, (laughs) you um, have it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't have an audio file of it, but I was writing what you were saying at the time. Oh, right. Right. I was that. Yeah, I, I remember that. Thread, a thread as well. And basically, your first reaction was "Whoa!" <laughs> so yeah, it was a it was a big moment for sure. No well, I was hoping you actually had the recording. You could put it on the no, podcast. No. <laughs> that'd be no. that'd be amazing. That but uh, yeah, so <laughs> no, no, that was that was huge for me. Like that, I was to the point. Like I liked that spoiler to the point that I was almost like disappointed with the actual episode that more didn't happen. You know, they just, they talked and then they sort of leave. That I mean, I know. Highlight. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, like at, at, you know, at that point it looked like something like from the end of the series or something. Like yeah. it looked like the end of days. <laughs> it looked out of place. It looks like tw- 10 or 15 volumes in the future. Like, it's yeah, it looked the- like, you know, the final battle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at the same time, of course, it- guts wasn't there. So, it's appropriate for what happened at the point. I mean, it's you know a huge yeah. event. So anyway, that scene is also yeah. It, it's also a scene that's most memorable to me, especially since uh, I was out that day. I was uh, busy doing something else, and I came home late. I just checked the forum and saw the thread was posted. So I was like, "Wow, it's been posted!" You know, I checked, and I saw when I saw that. Uh, I mean, uh, my first reaction was, "Wow, is it is it a fake or is it real?" Yeah. You know, and First reaction was, well, it's fake? Then, no, it can't be fake. And, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty big. But yeah. to answer uh, Slime Barrett's question about spoilers, I mean, you go to scanlight.net, you expect spoilers for Berserk. I mean, yeah, so, uh, I, I don't know. No, nobody's ever spoiled something to me because I usually search for previews uh, and uh, I'm often the first to find them. So... Yeah, I, I don't regret and I, I don't have problem with spoilers. I, I hate spoilers in general because I like yeah. to enjoy a movie or a game and I'm really anal about spoilers. I mean, honestly, I have to admit, I'm, I'm pretty crazy about spoilers. I absolutely hate them. But when it comes to Berserk, I'm just, I don't care. I'm, I'll get I, a, as much as I can, as fast as I can. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm the same way with spoilers for the most part. I get, pr- I'm, I don't think I'm as anal about it as you are, but like, I, I don't like spoilers. I'm a big believer that it really can sort of like ruin your experience of it. Yeah, like the spon- <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, literally the spontaneity of a scene. Well, I mean, you know, some people don't see it that way, and I do. When if I do get something spoiled for me, I do try to look at it just objectively and like sort of examine the work in hindsight, like and judge it that way, sort of as you know a complete you know thing. Because, you know, you're going to know it all anyway, eventually. But with yeah. Berserk, I've never seen it that way, because I guess I read it on a whole different level. You know, it doesn't need to be sold to me 
you know, I don't need to like experience it just right to like it or appreciate it. I'm already totally in the bag for it. I'm like studying it, you know. Yeah. So it's like I want to know yeah. every I want to know every little thing as soon as I can know it, even if it's out of order and out of context. It's like you know, it's like I'm doing an ex excavation on Berserk and you know finding relics and you know dusting them off and you know just trying uh, to figure out what it I, means. I think that's an important distinction to make because. What, reading Berserk and being a fan of Berserk and rereading the volumes is quite a bit different than a movie, which you're going to see maybe one, maybe two times total. Where the, the initial reading you have of a Berserk episode is not nearly as important as the content of the episode. And the content is what really dictates your excitement level, and not the way it's revealed or the suspense of an individual episode. That's yeah. all significant. Yeah, you know? yeah you, that's a good point. Like the format of Berserk, it is not, you know, this episodic format, it's almost yep. like getting little spoilers anyway when you get yeah. the, the episode. So it's like, I don't know, it just, yeah, it doesn't work that way. It's a weird uh -huh. form. I think the fact it's uh, serialized plays a big part for me, at least, in uh, that, yeah, we already know the, the other parts, but we are never going to get everything at once, especially with the delays nowadays. So, yeah, yeah I mean, previews, I, I don't mind the previews, and I, I think your comparison is uh, pretty good, Griffiths, with, uh, like, archaeology, you know, dusting off some parts, bits and pieces, piecing it up together. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a part of why I, I don't mind myself uh, spoilers and such when it comes to Berserk. Yeah. Well, then let then let me be the one to take the role that I actually find it annoying and crappy that we have to experience these episodes in tiny little low quality thumbnails that wow. often we just often we just see the parts of the episode that the scanner thought were most important and they're not always it's not always accurate of course it, yeah it's often just it's kind not, of scan what they want what they think looks neat and that's all you get in the episode I, I, preview. I mean that's that's not ideal for sure. And uh, with a big, you know, previews where we get like, you know, um, almost the whole episode, but it's just three, two thirds, and sometimes key scenes are, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, not uh, featured. Yeah, it's it's annoying, and I actually don't like this much. And right. I, I wish they weren't there. And but I also think the guy doing them might actually leave key scenes out on purpose, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's so that people still get the magazine or not, but I I'm sure the guy doesn't do everything. There's a reason. But yeah, if I were to choose, I'd prefer to get just I don't know one picture for a preview or maybe two, but not everything. And yeah, I agree that can that can a bit spoil the episode because sometimes you jump to wrong conclusions or the scenes aren't as cool in the preview as yeah. they are when you actually see the episode. So yeah, yeah I have to the... agree in that regard. The, the lowest point, as far as that concerned for me, is, like, when people just see, like, those preview episodes that sort of give you, like, a flavor of the whole episode, but it's not actually the whole episode. And sometimes people just look at those, and they'll talk about it. Like, yeah. they're talking about the episode. Oh, yeah. And, it's like, yeah. And, yeah. and key scenes can be misinterpreted that way. You know, it can in the preview, they can, you know, it can look like, here's a scene, or here's how these two pages relate, and it could be totally wrong. Right. And people will yep. read it and be like, "Oh, I've seen the episode. I, I thought that one was. I thought that was great that way, or it stunk." But it's like, no, it, it's not anything because we haven't actually seen it yet. You know, we've just seen pictures out of context. We used to get official Berserk previews from the uh, Berserk official website, but they were generally only one panel or one page. I think it was. I think it was a panel. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, a panel. Yeah. Usually, of the first page, the first one or two pages, we'd get, and that would be all we got. And then from that, we would extrapolate a lot of things. I think the funniest one was <laughs> was um, 
volume 33 32 when zod uh comes crashing down hits guts off of the ship and britannis the next episode is kind of like a pre uh, a flashback to when zod was talking to sonya and everything and the first panel is zod like uh, from the back and a yeah, with white back turn background and it looks really yeah. ominous at the time all we had was that one panel and I think it may have been me or somebody. The discussion ultimately led to, is this going to be Zod's past? Are we going to learn about <laughs> Zod? Like, is Zod going to die? Is that why this is all happening? You know, obviously it's like so far from the truth is ridiculous. But yeah, that's what, you know, speculating based on one panel can do, you know, is lead to discussions yeah. like that. So I think um, we were reading a lot of Vagabond back then. And like usually the flashback with like the white background. Yeah. <laughs> when someone's dying, I think it was more like representative yeah. of that, <laughs> like yeah. than Berserk. So that, it, it that was, might be why we came to that conclusion. The nice things about those previews was that they were generally very high quality. At least the the, the, the images were sharper than the yeah. crappy photo scans we get now. So anyway, yeah, but yeah, yep. Um, also, I wanted to say since you guys talked about your perspective on spoilers. I generally don't care about spoilers until unless it's something really particular. Like I, I don't think suspense should be what dictates your like quality uh, perception of, of something. I don't think suspense should be the driving force. Like the actual ultimate like scenario is not as important to me as like the execution of something. Like that's far more important to me, even in a movie, than knowing what happens in the end. Unless it's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where the end thing is why you're watching the movie, and that's like a waste <laughs> of time in my opinion. So. No, but I think it participates to but, you know the overall experience. Yeah, I think it because I think it affects that execution that you're talking about. Like it, it can ruin like the the execution if you already sort of know a key part of it. But it's also It'll, sort of like it's sort of like sort of like it's relief a relief to know what hap- where things are, and then you can begin piecing things together throughout the movie and, and you know experience it. <laughs> maybe way. maybe for weaker minds, yeah. <laughs> well you know what's funny about that is that you say that is like when i would watch movies like when i was a kid like aliens and it was like scary because yeah. you didn't know if someone was gonna you know get eaten or what you were gonna see it's like those aren't very gory movies actually at all but you know like when you're a kid it's like in your head and, you know like someone's gonna get hit in the face with acid and it's gonna be horrible when everyone else was dead and it was just ripley i knew ripley wasn't gonna die and so the right, rest yeah. of the movie wasn't scary because, like, yeah. I knew, like, you know, like, okay, well, now it's not going to be scary anymore because she's going to be okay. And it well, was even just because I. Die, I they could just call her. <laughs> Let's bring her back as part alien. And then she'll play <laughs> basketball. She'll play in the WNBA <laughs> and have some weird, disgusting scene with her alien baby going through, like, a belly button airlock or something. I don't remember what happened, but that, yeah. that movie. Oh, God. <laughs> My God. Oh. Don't remind well, me. So next question <laughs> comes, actually this is a series of questions, um, comes from Johnstantine and he asks, which Zelda games have all three of you played and which ones did you enjoy the most? Also, how do you feel about the direction of the series and the motion controls? Are they good or bad for the series? Um, I, after some consideration, I, I think uh, Link to the Past or Zelda 3 is my favorite of Zelda's with Zelda 1 being like a close second because uh, I've, I really admire the design of the game in the context of when it came out and think it's very ambitious, actually way more ambitious than modern Zelda games and what that game did. So I have a lot of respect for Zelda one still, but as far as playing and, and, and enjoying Zelda three every time, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, I mean, Zelda one is my favorite and, uh, 
Zelda 3 is a, a cool second. I mean, I, I love them both as much as the other, almost. But uh, Zelda 3 is just a remake of Zelda 1, essentially, to me. So I think the first one, because it's more innovative, it was everything back then was uh, yeah very ambitious. So I would have to place it on top. And as for which Zelda games I've played, uh, all of them except uh, CDI games and uh, Spirit Tracks, which I didn't bother with. <laughs> Uh, well, first let me note that, like Void, I'm going to come in last on this one. And I'm going to say uh, Ocarina of Time is probably my favorite. And I just sort of like, you know, unfortunately it's become, I don't know, I feel like its legacy has almost been hurt by all the, like, the way the series has gone afterwards, kind of just mimicking it in a lot of ways, or not really growing from it very far. But yeah. at the time, I feel like it was, it's sort of, it still blows me away how revolutionary it was. And the fact that basically we're still playing that game today and just, uh, I don't know, the achievement of it, the way they they made the series, you know, so they... It was very revolutionary, but at the same time it still had that feel, the way mm-hmm. they translated it. And uh, it was also, I think it's uh, Miyamoto's, it was basically his last game that he was director on, and out of necessity, like, the project wasn't going you know, as they had planned, and he had to sort of come in and, like, that was, like, the last game he really directed. Yeah, it's, as far as his involvement's concerned, he's involved with all the games, but to to a lesser extent uh, now than he used to be. And it's always yeah. really nebu- It's always really nebulous when you try to, like, dissect his actual involvement with recent Zelda games, because it's never really clear what parts yeah. he did and did not have an influence but he on. But he was definitely directly involved in, uh, right. in that one. Right. And I don't know, I just, I've always seen that one as sort of, like, sort of his, like, perfect, like, all right, I finally gotten to sort of tell that Zelda, you know, not it's not even important to tell the story, but he got to, like, sort of do it, like, perfectly. Yeah. And that's how I've always seen it since. And after yeah. that, I guess I would say uh, Zelda 3 and, uh, I don't know, the first Legend of Zelda, an honorable mention to Wind Waker. It's kind of a different game. It's uh I like very the art style in Wind Waker, but I don't like playing Wind Waker is my thing. I like the art style. I like the. I like that they set it on the ocean. That they took yeah. the whole exploration. You know, I think people would see that game very differently if it had been done sort of like Twilight Princess style. Like the people would be like, "It's the best Zelda game ever," but uh, because you mean, it's... if it was linear, you mean if it was more linear? <laughs> no, not if it was more linear. Just if it <laughs> was you know, like if it was. Yeah, the art style. If it was just like oh. deadly serious, you know, everyone says you know the art style is the best thing about Wind Waker. But at the time, everyone was you oh, know yeah. like offend, grossly offended. He said old shot on it, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, and it's. I was just gonna say real quick. Um, the reason Twilight Princess was so well received at the time was because it adopted the art style that everyone apparently had wanted all along. You yeah. know, yeah. wanted Lord of the Rings. You know, Zelda. The, the game itself Dark, was darker. crap compared to Blood Wind Waker. That's what they said in the trailer, you know. Right. <laughs> Wind Waker and, has some incredible moments, like the when you get the Master Sword, when you're down and you know below yeah. the water, and I don't want to spoil anything for those that haven't played it. Maybe that's kind of ridiculous, but that's yeah, it's been a decade. <laughs> okay, well, when you pull the Master Sword out and the whole castle comes alive again, that's one of my favorite moments in like video game history. I, I fucking love that. That's that stuff. It's great. It's great. The feeling that is great. That one was, yeah. And you know what? That one was actually very grown up in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like it had the kiddie like graphics, but it was it was kind of the most mature in that it wasn't this sort of straightforward like yeah. unaware 
like, oh, we're going on an adventure and we're taking this all super seriously. You know, it was it had a <laughs> sense of humor and a self-awareness about it that made it, you know, you can play it as an adult and be like, this is kind of smart, you know, and witty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know, going back to Ocarina of Time, I just feel like they also haven't done a lot to, like, expand on that the world in that game. Like, that game had, like, I think it was, like, six different races or it just, it felt, like, bigger than it was. You know, yeah. obviously, because it was, you know, it was very limited in what they could do relatively. But it's like if you play like something like Twilight Princess and Skyrim or Skyward Sword, Skyrim Sword, Skyward Sword, <laughs> they actually feel smaller than that yeah. to me. Like just yeah. they, they aren't, they're bigger, but they feel smaller. Like the scope because, is just smaller. It's because those areas aren't generally, I think I think it's because generally those areas aren't populated. And all the different like realms within Zelda Ocarina of Time, there's like a city hub in each little area that you're kind of going around, right? Whereas in um, Skyward Sword, they're just essentially dungeons, like elaborated dungeons they're being dropped down into. With yeah, one and also the, the areas were different and the little races had their own <laughs> little, you know, they had different societies and qualities. So yeah, it made everything, I mean. it made it all feel bigger. Right. You know, and had yeah. had culture attached to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as the direction of the series, I haven't really been excited about a Zelda game. Man, it's been a long time. Um, I was, I was excited about Skyward Sword, but it, it didn't deliver for me. But, uh... I liked the motion controls. I, I, I kind of like, I had, I had, they had moments of real brilliance with that, but they were few and far between for me. Most mm-hmm. of the time, I just kind of, I got used <laughs> to the controls, and that, I kind of just stopped caring about it. Honestly, like, uh... Go ahead. I like the controls. I like them, but they are not essential to me. I mean, they're cool, they're nice, but uh, uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't mind not having them. They're they're not what makes a game to me. So yeah, yeah, they're nice. It was a nice use of uh, the controller, and actually, it it was about time the controller was used in that way because that's the potential of the Wii, and it's it's too bad it came so late in the game. Uh, But yeah, they're not essential to me, and. as for the direction of the series, I'm going to be quite conservative here, but I think the last really great game in the series, the last one that I thought, wow, it's the fucking best game ever, was uh, Ocarina of Time. And yep. I mean, I, I liked Wind Waker, I like all of them, but yeah, they're not as good. So to me, I mean, Zelda 1 is, uh, is the original game, is fucking amazing, it's, it's a gem, and Zelda 3 is fucking amazing, and uh, Ocarina of Time is fucking amazing. And, but... And even Zelda 2 gets an honorable mention from me, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I actually like the game. I think it's a pretty good game, but that's another another debate entirely. But yeah, I think after kind of time. <laughs> Sorry. I like Zach to come up on the board every time I post. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. These games were great, and I think after that, yeah, nothing really captured uh, quite captured. I mean, even Majora's Mask, it's a, a lot of people are all it's a fan ra- favorite. Yeah, it's a fucking raving about it. I am sorry, but it's just a side quest. Yeah, it was neat, but yeah. So I, I think the series need a, a breath of fresh air, and, and I don't think uh, Skyward Sword or anything is, is giving it, or Twilight Princess. They're just, I think they've. They've lost their vision, and they need somebody new. Yeah, they, they, need, they, need, they need to. They need to abandon the the, the thing of that they're trying to recreate the previous game. Yeah, I'm mean, the same exact tropes every single time. Like we get it, we move on. 
yeah, to, to me, they need to fucking, you know, stop doing whatever they're doing, which, you know, what Griff said is true. I mean, they are often looking back, uh, looking back at uh, Ocarina of Time, but in terms of design, I think they should just go back to the original game, The Legend of Zelda, and try to recreate the freedom, the vastness you know, a sense of exploration, like time. learning about yeah. an area, like going into an area. You're not even sure you're supposed to be there yet. You know that was a great feeling. Yeah, and, and you yeah. Could, you could do things in the in, you know in the wrong order, and you could, and it wasn't the wrong order because the order was whatever you wanted it to be, right. and you know either populate the, the the game and give it the sense that it's not just, I mean, the capital of the of the game, the main town, is not just populated with ten fucking people. Either. You, <laughs> Or you make it like the original people in caves, and uh, you, you know you are just on your own. So I don't know. I think they are they are not going in necessarily the right direction, but uh, we'll see. I still have hope. I think we'd all agree that if they just like remade the original Legend of Zelda today with like you know a modern with an Ocarina of Time style engine, it, you know it would be it would seem revolutionary for the series, even though even though it was a remake yeah. of the first game. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, because yeah. they've become so bogged down in like this linear storytelling where it's like you can't go here till you do this and we're going to tell you everything you need to do <laughs> and you know they just you know it's like we're going to they they all the gameplay design is almost like working to make it easier for you this is how we're going to make it easier we've yeah. streamlined it and made it easier and it's like well you know as soon I'm not even going to need to play anymore I can just watch you know like go to these places yes. or like assign him like click on the map that you want to go here and watch Link fight bad guys on the way <laughs> you know sort it's, of a thing a really annoying part of Skyward Sword of course was like teaching you a concept in the game you getting the concept and then them telling you every single time you do the yeah, concept, again. new thing again do you like remember how to douse again. do you remember how to do dousing uh, it's like I wish Jesus. I could forget you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah, I, w I would love to see more a fresher take, like Azil said, on the series. I, I think it's going to require them to completely upend the table on the design that they're currently using and just make a whole new yeah. thing. Yeah, you know? they need to give it to a new guy. Honestly, that's it. They need to give it to a new guy. I mean, or a team of new people, whatever. But Zelda somebody... Prime by Retro yeah. Studios. Yeah, well, you know why not? I mean, yeah, honestly. Sure. You know, everybody made fun of uh, Metroid Prime before it came out. It was even yeah. worse than Wind Waker. People were just... I, I can't even describe the reaction. But when the I game came out, everybody <laughs> shut their pants. It was so fucking good. Yeah, and it was, I, it was a take back to the original Metroid. Yep. It was funny the, how quickly the tide turned when that game came out. I was excited yeah. about it. I mean, because being a big Metroid fan, I was like, cool, uh, new Metroid game. First person. I like first person. I like Half-Life. Fuck. So sure, why not? And then it hit, and it was just like fucking amazing. So, you know, actually, I I didn't follow the I mean the release of Metroid because I, I didn't buy GameCube, and uh, I actually only learned about the game later on. And I saw, oh well, Metroid and first player, well, yeah, weird. And I, I went at it almost without knowing anything about it. It was it was great. I was in college at the time, and that was it was being played around the dorms. You know, even though Halo was out and things like that. People were playing Metroid Prime in the dorms, so. Um, next question, I guess? Well, yeah, I'm uh, done with it. Okay, still from Johnson Ting. He asks Griffith, what's your profession? I, I don't even know the answer to this question, so. 
Oh, is that? Yeah, it was funny because uh, the way he asked it uh, in the thread, it like it, it was almost like very complimentary, and then it's like, oh, you're like an asshole comic book guy. <laughs> like, like, oh, that is true. <laughs> but uh, interesting. I just I work in an office right now. I'm still going to school. This, I should be graduating uh, this quarter, this June, and I work at nice. the school. I work in part of their restaurant operations. As uh, I just work in the office. I do basically like accounting. And, you know, keeping track of invoices, filing things, just all sorts of boring office stuff. It's a good job, like, for the resume, just because I do a lot of different sort of things. I handle money. Like, sure. I yeah, you know, just things that give you a lot of different varied experiences that you can have on your resume. And I'll hope to, like, but work there for a, a year. And, it's a, it's yeah. a college show, though. It's not like a profession. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not a profession. But, I mean, maybe it could lead to me being an... A happy little office drone someday. <laughs> yeah, as for my question about uh, what it's like being an anime or manga fan in France, well, I'm not sure I really know because I'm not very, I mean, I wouldn't define myself as an anime or manga fan. Yeah, sure, I like Berserk and I have read uh, quite a few manga and so seen a few animes, but I don't really talk about it much and I don't talk to anybody about it. I usually... I don't tell people I'm a fan of Berserk unless they ask me and ask me insistently. And I don't make a big deal out of it. So, yeah, I wouldn't be able to know. There, there are quite a few. There's a big uh, comic book culture in France. You know, people like, you know, a lot of comic books. There's a national market where a lot of uh, artists produce uh, comic books, French ones. And there's also the Belgian you know, production. And we also purchase a lot of American and Japanese ones. So there's a lot of manga being sold in France. So there are a lot of people who read it. You can see people reading manga in the train. Obviously not as much as in Japan, but there are still quite a few. So I think people don't get too much shit from being an anime or manga fan in France. Uh, but uh, there's not a lot of stigma you know, associated with it. But, uh, yeah, that's about all I can say about it. There are still, obviously, a lot of annoying idiots uh, who like manga and anime in France like uh, everywhere else. Sure. Uh, asking Walther, do you have any plans to revamp the site, adding more character bios or additional info in the timeline? You know, in general, yes, I'd like to add more. I mean, I guess you mean the encyclopedia is what you're really asking. And, yeah, I mean, we've had plans for probably three years now to revamp the encyclopedia. The, the yeah. issue is, is motivation. And and the kind of ideas I want to involve, I'd have to. I'm going to have to relearn a lot of like what I missed about PHP, and entering them into a database because I want to do a completely PHP-based site. Right now, most of it's HTML, which is really simple, like you know, basic code. I want to do PHP entries that we can easily change, but I don't have the know-how to do that. So I'd have to either hire a coder to do it or relearn PHP, which you know I never quite understood it to begin with. So. It take a lot of time, and right now I don't. I think it works as it is. It's not great. There's some errors in the encyclopedia still, but it's not like sorely lacking in my opinion. It would require an overhaul. So, yeah, it's something I'll get to eventually, but it's not like pressing right now. I guess that's it, guys. Um, thanks for tuning in for another episode, and we'll be back within two weeks. Maybe we'll see an episode by then. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, as f- yeah, probably, probably not. not. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> but as- we might have a date as to when the next one will come. Yeah. That's what matters. Yep. We'll see. We'll get it back on track. Hey, maybe we'll have three episodes back-to-back, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, maybe four. 
Maybe four or five. <laughs> forever. So, yeah. Thanks again, guys, and I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, I'll see you all later. Anyway, I've got the results of the French election, which I've been checking while we were talking about Alien, I have to admit. <laughs> uh, the guy voted for one, so Pretty I Pretty happy? Well, not really, actually. I mean, did, I'm, you, I'm, did you vote for aliens or predators? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a predator guy, I have to admit. I, I love the predator. I fucking love it. Yeah. I don't know. I grew. I don't know. That's a weird. Yeah, that's a that's the t the toughest question <laughs> I've ever you know considered. I don't know that I could choose. Well, I, the thing is, I love the aliens as well. But uh, yeah, I think I prefer the predator because he's a solitary monster. While you know, with the canon of aliens, uh, they have some kind of hive mind. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I kind of consider. Uh... I guess I prefer. I think I like the Alien better. I'm also like considering the quality of their films. Like you know, Alien and Aliens are two great. You know, sort of like they're like legitimately good movies. Yeah. Like whereas you know, Predator One is like probably one of my favorite you know action movies and like the manliest movie ever. But it's like it's not like it's a great film like like yeah. Alien is. <laughs> yeah, clearly not. And it's just yeah, I mean, it's pretty. I wouldn't say bad, but it's mediocre at best. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. If you count the quality of the movies, then Alien is definitely better overall. I mean, at least counting uh, Alien and Aliens. Also, but, I think, uh, like, the alien creature, like you said, you like the Predator better, is like a solitary. I, I also like the Alien just because it, it is more like an alien creature. Yeah, just true. And it's like it seems more like it seems it, like to me, it seems like more of a realistic, like, a, what could a very, what could be a very realistic, dangerous alien species. Yeah, true. As far as design goes, it's much better. I mean, it's, it's not even comparable. The Predator yeah. is just, essentially just a human with a weird face, yeah. and that's about it. And he's just bigger and stronger, and he's got cooler weapons, but yeah, he can shoot lasers, and uh, and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll admit that my love for the Predator is, you know, irrational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no, back. but the... Hey, were you still recording? Yep. Oh, I think we've got an alien and predator deleted scene there for you. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Did I hear you say the French election results are in? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually they were in uh, 45 minutes ago. I was checking them oh. while we were oh. recording. And uh, Holland won. Sarkozy lost. That's which good. Is, yeah, which is what I expected. I, we actually took bets with my coworkers because, you know, they're uh, journalists and so they like this sort of shit. And uh, I, I betted that... Uh, Holland would win with uh, 53%, and it looks like it's what he's getting, so I can brag uh, when I go back to work. <laughs> what did, um, yeah, how big was the margin? Was Sarkozy, how many did he get? Well, percentage? yeah, I, uh, apparently it's uh, 53 to 47 or something like that, oh, but okay. uh, wow, okay. the, the final results aren't in yet. Right. So there was no one else, I guess, obviously, in the race. That's interesting. There were no what you said. There were a couple so there, people, actually. There were other people in the race then that just didn't I, uh, even get like one percent. Uh, the French election uh, it's in two times. So there's a first turn where there are like there were something like ten people running. Then 
the two leaders, you know, go to the second t time. You know what I mean? It's like oh, okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it's a, it's a two-time thing, so there are a lot of uh, small and insignificant candidates, and after the first uh, turn, they can uh, what's that, leverage, they, they use the votes they got as leverage on the two main candidates to, you know, what's that, to get more seats at the parliament or shit like that. They can do deals, they can place themselves as ministers. So yeah, it's just you know politics. Is it is it like um, partly designed not to like split the vote for anybody like you know sort of like Ross Perot did in America in the nineties? Yeah, well, it's a bit complicated. If if a candidate during the first uh, turn of the election gets over fifty percent of the votes, he's elected right away. Of oh, course, okay. That never happens. So. Yeah, it's designed to give everybody a chance, but in uh, actuality, it's not very different from what happens in America in that, uh, you know, it's always the two, I mean, almost always the two main parties, some kind of center-right and center-left, center-left, which uh, go to the second turn, except uh, 10 years ago, where the far-right got in, which it was actually a big shock uh, for French people, because uh, not many people went to vote. And the extremists always go to you know to vote. So yeah, yeah. that's what happened to... in America in 2010 actually, for a lot of the senatorial stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I called the uh, Tea Partiers came out in force. Oh yeah, I didn't know that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people that a lot of experienced politicians got voted out because they weren't really forcibly going to the polls, whereas the crazies were coming out and voting for really hardcore Republicans, and a lot of them got in on just a sheer force of people movement. Yikes. It was pretty scary. <clears throat> yeah, I bet. I mean, yeah, the far right is pretty scary here too. I mean, in the first turn, the far right got 20% of the votes. I mean, 18% or something like that, but that's mm. still fucking huge. It's a historical record here. Yeah. People are just, you know, the, the Sarkozy has been playing on people's fear for years and years, for you know, five years. Even before that, he, when he was a... Uh, Minister of Justice or Defense or whatever, he played on people's fears continuously while not doing, you know, many things as far as actual security and police and so on went. So people are just afraid and they're fed up with, uh, you know, immigrants and that kind of shit. But yeah, whatever. I, mean, I don't know much about French politics and I'm not obviously living in France, but superficially, I look at Sarkozy. He doesn't seem like a capable leader to me. I mean, just no. the way he carries himself and you know, presents himself. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's just a clown, honestly. I don't know, that's why I remember back uh, five years ago, there was some guy, some British guy, who was always antagonizing me because I'm French, you know. And he, he was, uh, I mean, he fancied himself an economist, an economist, and he was really in favor of Sarkozy, and he thought he knew everything and so on. And I tried to tell him that he was just a clown and that he would do shit. And actually, I learned later on that a lot of people in Europe and the USA really thought Sarkozy was a capable leader, somebody who would make a real difference and so on. <laughs> but actually, when you know the actual French political scene, it's the guy is just, you know, he's a buffoon. And he's some kind of, you know, you know what I was telling you earlier? He's a bourgeois, you know? Yeah. So he's... he's he got rich recently. It's like that. It's like back in the day, you know, when the nobility was uh, getting poorer and losing, you know, uh, leverage. And such a merchants, you know, managed to get rich and they wanted to mix in with the nobility and the others didn't because they were just rude and they were just, 
hillbillies trying to to look fancy, and that's exactly what Sarkozy is. You know, mm. he's you know flinging about his big watch, his Rolex. He's you know playing on the yachts with his rich wife, people. singer yeah, wife, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, everything. You know, we call him the bling bling president around here, and <laughs> that's exactly what he is. He's really, I mean, he's disgracious, and uh, I actually feel bad. And I went to vote against him. Almost primary because I, I feel bad about the image he gives of, of our country and he's just full of shit. You yeah. know, it's, it's actually incredible that there are still people to vote for him while he's so full of shit. And um, and that's actually what decided the election because Francois Hollande is not very, he, he doesn't have any charisma and he, he doesn't have any, I mean, he didn't present any big ideas for during the campaign, but people hate Sarkozy so much that he decided the election before it had even begun. Yeah. So it's actually so it's more, to some... a, more of a vote against Sarkozy than yeah, a vote for exactly, the candidate. Exactly, right. and it's actually a, a, somewhat of a credit to Sarkozy that he managed to get as many votes as he did, you know, given who despised he is in France. It's like people, for five years I heard people complain about Sarkozy, and the, the same people actually voted for him. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this guy is good. I mean, I don't know if these people are stupid or if he's good, but yeah, there's something there. Well, in 2004, Bush got reelected even because, I mean, obviously, Kerry wasn't a very charismatic leader at all, but anybody that was voting for Kerry, they were just voting against Bush. They weren't voting for Kerry. They were just like, yeah. it, was like it was a trash can you poured your anti-Bush vote into, basically. <laughs> it's the same scenario here. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's some good outtakes.